Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. is the Mike Heller Show. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Heller Show. Now, alongside Dr. J, here's Mike Heller. I love Mondays. I, I do. I love Mondays on the show. I always have one of my favorite days talking sports. I, do you follow Darren Ravel on Twitter? We bring in the resident. Oh, wow. That was really early I, today. You don't have, this isn't the intro, but just answer the question. Oh, okay. do, you, do you follow Darren Ravel on Twitter? I do not. I can't do it. He is. He tweets out ridiculous stuff constantly, and I just can't do it anymore. So I, here, I did for a while. Here, and, and this is a good ridiculous. Okay, okay I'm he, ready. He tweets out... Um, at 2.04, so a minute ago, w- with a picture. For the first time, Spotted Cow, one of the best oh, beers boy. in the world, only available in Wisconsin, will come in a case of 24 cans. Previous can oh. high in cans was a 12-pack. Weird. And he had a, a, a picture by whoever at Higgins Eats is. Sure. So Darren Ravel, pretty big follow. I mean, Ravel has 2,047,000 followers 2 million and 47,000 followers just gave that to spotted cow i mean you know he's only 2 million 47 or 46,000 and yeah. like 400 away from me so how how good is that for spotted cow by the way that's cool new Blair's brewing company a just got bump. a tweet with a picture and it only impacts the wisconsin market because it's the only place you can buy it but now uh 24 pack cans so and Ravel hmm. was thought it was worthy of uh, of a tweet with a picture. Well, I know like there are people in media that like really really like it. I oh. know Peter King really likes Spotted Cow. Oh heck yeah! Um, I just is it ever going to be available out of the state? Like, I, can we share our goodness with other people? I don't understand. I've never understood that part of it. I know that like every time I've ever shared it with people who are not familiar with it from out of the state, they absolutely love it. So, you know, maybe that's the next step in this journey as we go up in numbers of cans that are available. The only other place I go that there is uh, that there is that desire is Yingling. So mm. you go to, you know, we go to Penn State or something, everybody's going to get Yingling. But you can get Yingling in a lot more than just Pennsylvania, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's not other bad. Places. Um, all right, so we begin with a little beer topic. But, I mean, Darren Ravel, <laughs> over 2 million followers, just tweeted out uh, about Spotted Cow with a picture of of uh, a little case uh, stack for a spotted cow. It is pretty cool. I got to say, Good I'm excited. Them. Yeah, I'm Good I'm excited, man. That's uh, awesome. I haven't had it in a can yet. I mean, it tastes like spotted cow, so oh, wow. I don't have any problems. Who would have thought that? Yeah, beer um, tastes like beer. All right, so we welcome you in. This is the Mike Heller Show. It's NFL Draft Week. It will be Thursday, and we'll give you our details on our coverage of the NFL Draft. We're going to hit it fairly heavy all day or all week this week. We won't do it all day. We have plenty of other things to talk about, but we will hit it 
fairly heavy throughout the week, uh, including Chad Ryder, who's on the show again today at 435. And prior to that, Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Also, Brian Gutekunst met with the media earlier today's pre-draft press conference, um, and we'll bring you back uh, the, the hits of that as well. So we welcome you aboard on a Monday. We're thrilled that you are here with us. Uh, us is me. I'm Mike Heller. That's uh, the name of the show. To my left is uh, a formerly a doctor, now a resident. Um, he still goes by Dr. J. We're doctors. Doctors rule. I'm thinking we get one of these 24 packs in studio and we just drink it over four hours and just have a nice show. I got a feeling that it would be a, a really like the middle two hours would get really interesting mm-hmm. and the third hour would be just a mess. The fourth hour would be just a mess. Is it bad I that mean, I'm a mess? Is it bad that I'm totally okay with it though? Be yeah, good content. Has to be. No, it wouldn't. Uh, the first uh, first hour would be fine. Second hour would be probably really entertaining. Third hour would start entertaining and it would uh, de- devolve from there. And the fourth hour would be unlistenable. So it will be like when I played darts in college. So, hey, it's just like the show is today. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like when I played darts in college. You know, you got one beer, it's, you start playing a little better. Two beers, start playing real good. Start having more beers, then it starts going downhill. Yeah, I had a I had a, a pool partner in college and just out of college that we uh, were able to yin and yang that pretty good. Yeah, see, and it's all about is, managing ooh, for your partner yeah, you where gotta, they're at. If your partner, uh, somebody's got to play better drunk. Somebody's got to play better sober. <laughs> yeah, and if you do true. that, you're in good shape. You can you can uh, do quite well in that regard. Uh, Brewers lost three of four over the weekend to the Dodgers after taking two of three in Los Angeles last weekend. See, they're done with the Dodgers. They played seven games. And the Dodgers, the Dodgers won in game seven at Miller Park mm. to win the series four games to three. Yeah. Oh, sound familiar? Mm. That happened last October. In fact, the similarities are eerie. The Brewers led two games to one, as they did a year ago. They led two games to one, and then they played that 13-inninger. Um, that oh, yeah, I remember in that. In L.A., yeah. that evened it. Then they lost the next day, came back, had to win game six. They did, and lost in game seven. Um, there were a couple of significant home runs in game seven. A couple of significant home runs yesterday. Yeah, let's see. I think Yelich had one to lead off the game. In game seven, I'm saying, yeah. right? one And then Bellinger obviously had the crusher. Um, did Puig have a home run in that game, too? I don't know, either way. Yeah, Puig um, did. He did. So, I mean, I'm trying to erase that from my memory because well, I was the there Bellinger. and it hurt. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. – and, and dude, listen, I, we, you and I were talking off the air. There's no option uh, to not pitch to him in the in the ninth inning. It's just a bad pitch. And I was watching uh, MLB Network this morning. They said – not me, but I – so I didn't fact check this. Off of what they said, um, Stats and Info there said, first time that Hater has ever given up a home run on his slider. Yeah. Oh, on a slide, I heard the 0-2 pitch that it was the first time. Oh, that was earlier. That was a couple games earlier against Kike Hernandez. But no, I didn't know that on a slider, on really. A, on a, maybe it was a slider to a left-handed hitter. I mean, but it I, makes I sense. Thought he, I thought he gave up. I th- anyway. He doesn't, he doesn't I, throw I, I only said it because I hadn't fact-checked it on my own. But it was just a bad pitch, just a hanger. And if you throw a hanger to a great hitter, even if you're a great pitcher, you're probably going to get beat on the hanger. And it wasn't a bad pitch selection. It's just bad execution. Almost every pitcher forever and ever, if they're good, will tell you that they get beat when they make a mistake. And if they get beat on their stuff with their pitch in their spot, they're fine with it. They Nobody loves it, but they'll tip their cap and they say, you know what, I made a good pitch, he made a better swing. 
That was not a good pitch by Hader. And yes, Bellinger made a better swing on a bad pitch. Well, and honestly, too, when you're you're not executing against a guy who's white hot. I mean, yeah. white hot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, if you if you looked at like let's say there was a compilation of every home run from any given day, like from Sunday yesterday, every home run across the majors. If you just watched the catcher's glove, ninety nine percent of those, the catcher's glove is moving up and over the middle of the. Oh no, there it is, total yeah. mistake and yeah. gone. I mean, that's. That's how home runs are hit in the league. Yeah, and that's that's what it was. And then if you if you checked out the bottom of the ninth on the two strike pitches that were thrown by, uh, what? Why do I not want to remember his name? The Dodgers closer, because he, you know, I mean, oh, Kenley Jansen. I know Kenley gave up the three run homer to Thames in the eighth. Watch all three of his uh, third strike pitches in the ninth inning. They are letter high, perfect. <laughs> yeah. They are on the edge. Canes is a uh, you know it's a cut fastball slider whatever you want to call that that just catches the inside the one on Gamel just caught the outside and the one uh, that opened the inning to Arcia was just an Arcia strikeout well, but yeah, I mean I it was yeah. <laughs> so all of that working you know um, he was getting because in that last inning he got two high strikeout calls now they were in the K zone and they were perfect on the black yeah. but. A lot of times in different situations and games, those are not called strikes. Yeah. So, yeah, it is what it is. All right. So, uh, I also put up a Twitter poll question. Well, I'm going to jump into here next because uh, the Bucks will pay, play to sweep and clinch the series tonight in Detroit. And I think they will. And we already know who their uh, awaiting opponent is. It's Boston. So, I've got a question on the Twitter poll. I'll, I'll read it to you. Then we'll go through some early results when we come back. All right. Here's the question. What would the most challenging series be for the Bucks on the road to the NBA Finals? Celtics, which we're almost certain is next. The Bucks have to win one more game, then it's Celtics. And then either Raptors or Sixers. Either of those is not determined yet, but which of the remaining potential opponents in the East would be the most challenging? The results, as it sits right now, were not the same as it would have been three weeks ago. But my opinion hasn't changed. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that as we continue. Okay. 877-729-1070. That's the number, right? It is. Absolutely. 877-729-1070. Welcome in on a Monday. This is the Mike Heller Show. Stevie Wonder, Musicquarium. One of my great, uh, I think it was a double cassette buy when I bought it. Oh, so we've moved out of records and into cassettes now? Yeah, because what was the last week? That was an album that I had of the Christopher Cross. Um, that was it, yep. yeah. Uh, but this Musicquarium deal, uh, that was a double cassette thing. Mm, okay. You, know, you could, as a kid, you could join Sony Records or one of the other RCA and get 13 cassette tapes or back in the day albums i think it was just cassette tapes when i was doing it 13 cassette tapes for a penny and then you'd have to buy what do you mean join like, like a you subscription? joined a subscription and you get music oh yeah huh 
and you'd get your first, like, you could only buy albums in whatever format you wanted them in. Uh, you could only buy them that way, and you'd get, like, your first 13 for shipping and handling plus a penny. But then you were contractually obligated over the next 12 months to buy one per month at full cost of, like, you know, twelve ninety nine. So they'd get you, Ew. you know, and I'm, a, I'm probably 14 or 15 years old. When I'm, you know, first oh, started no. doing that, and then you go to, you know, mom, hey, mom, can I get a check for $13? For what? Yeah, every month from here on uh, out. Well, yeah. you didn't always say that stuff. But when the, when the uh, CD, when the cassettes arrived in the mail, in a box, you were, you were out. I mean, you, if you tried to sneak it through, you're done. Yeah. No, that's, um, I didn't know that that uh, existed back in the day. That oh, seems like a- quite any, the deal. A- anybody who's, uh, who's in my age range knows exactly of what I speak. I did have, I mean, I did have a couple cassettes. So, I mean, I was at the very tail end of that. I mean, I remember my first car had a cassette player. So, as a 95. Um, but that's, yeah, I don't have too much of a knowledge. I'm more of a CD walking So just think guy. of the, just think of the uh, the back in the day concept. 8-track tape players you could um Yeah, this is now you, beyond. Okay, me. so 8-track tape players you could actually um siphon through like if there were uh I don't know, 12 songs, you could go they were in three song brackets. Oh, weird. So you could fast forward uh, you know, to the second tra- uh, set of tracks. But not so a specific could, song? No. And on the cassette tape, you would have to like hit the fast forward, and you couldn't hear it. Then you're kind of guessing. I think uh, that's probably far enough. And you could never cue it up. So in your car, you were kind of screwed in that regard. Yeah, you kind of got what you got. Yeah. Now, um, you don't know this yet, but I do. Um, raising kids is that you hardly ever hear a song full through. Um, yeah, well, actually, that doesn't surprise me as much because I feel like I already don't. <laughs> When it's just yeah, driving with me just, and my wife. Yeah, you just about, you know, you'll hear the first 45 seconds of it and change it. Yeah, eh, no. It's, uh, mm, you know, no. we like that one, but I've heard enough of it. You go on to the next one. Anyway. Yeah. Well, or my wife just wants distracted. to play, like, here's the, the Here's the uh, Twitter poll question. Oh, yeah, yeah, that. That I put up. Uh, what would be the most challenging series for the Bucks on the road to the NBA Finals? So, Pistons are out of the play. Uh, they'll sweep that series, hopefully, tonight. If not, they'll win it at home on Wednesday. But I don't. I think the Bucks are coming home tonight. Uh, and getting ready for the Celtics, which could begin as early as Saturday. So the choices, the Celtics, the Raptors, or the 76ers. Now, it's not guaranteed that it would be the Raptors or the Sixers, but pretty close. It is. All right, so I've I've maintained this all along, and you can attest to this. As we've talked about this a month ago, um, John Audius could attest to it two months ago, the Celtics have been my fear since just before the NBA All-Star break, about this time in February, which is a full two months ago. And the Celtics were, at times, especially in January, February, March, a, more than a dumpster fire. Yes, they were. I mean, they were, they were a mess. But I have never gone off my radar as my most feared team in the Eastern Conference, and that exists today. I think the Bucks are better. Here's here's the reason you could lose to the Celtics. Kyrie Irving. I think there's a couple reasons. You Jason, think, yeah. Jason Tatum. Okay. The, those are the reasons. And, and Horford can shoot. Be, they And Hayward can shoot. They've got, But the thing with Kyrie is he's a finisher. There's nobody in the Eastern Conference that can create and finish like Kyrie Irving. He takes no bad shots because he always seems to find a good shot, even in a bad scenario. And no shot is difficult 
by his standards, he can make anything. There are very few in the league, maybe nobody in the league, that's quite like him. He scares me in that role. He can be a game changer, but he doesn't have to go off for 46 to beat you. As long, he can go off for 16 in the fourth quarter to beat you. Hayward can do it. Um, Tatum can do it. They can get it from other spots. Horford can do it. The Celtics have, I think the Bucs are better, but the Celtics have scared me since, well, since last April. Yeah, I was going to say, I, mean, I, I get why they would be your biggest fear. They're not mine. I'm not saying that I don't well, fear them at all. But then you, then you fail the test. I mean, this is a test. You're graded on these things. Okay. So, so here I'm giving you. So if I you, don't agree, I I'm fail. I'm giving you the correct answer. Oh. And you're still going to go off the board and know that uh, the professor is going to fail you on this, you know, this little exam. I guess I got to do what I got to do. It counts for 20% mm-hmm. of your grade. Oh, wow. That's a big test. Uh, I mean, look, I'm not saying that they don't scare me in any way. Obviously, uh, you're right, Kyrie. It starts and ends there in terms of just who you're the most scared of on the floor. I think in the entire Eastern Conference, he's the guy I'm the most scared of because we know what he's capable of. We've seen it. We've seen it before. He's done it in the finals, much you know, much more intensive than the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. But to me, the thing that scares me about the Celtics the most would be Brad Stevens. It's not even one of the players. It's their coach. Their coach owned the Bucks last year. Now, granted, with Joe Prunty, things are a little different. We got Budenholzer, who can, you know, is also a pretty dang good coach, but we know what Brad Stevens is capable of. That guy is incredible. He's a genius. He can put the right guys in the right spots. Doesn't matter if this guy's injured, that guy's injured, whatever. He'll figure it out. So over a seven game series, it becomes increasingly more likely that he will figure out those little things, the little changes in defense, little changes on inbound plays, whatever that will need to be made in order for the Celtics to win that series. Now, I still think the Bucs are the better team. I think the team, and I think a lot of the reasons why people would pick the Celtics are simply because we are playing them next. You know what I mean? So there's, there's that kind of thing where I'm scared of them because that's the team that the Bucks are playing next. I think the team overall, for me, that would scare me the most, and this sounds crazy to say because their history is awful, is Toronto. I just think athletically, they probably pose the biggest threat to the Bucks. And now I know the 76ers have a ton of athleticism, but you never really know what Joel Embiid whether or not he's fully healthy and all that stuff. So I'm kind of wiping that off. And, I, and I'm, you know, they got a ton of talent too, but I think the Bucks match up pretty well there. Um, but I think Toronto can get at the Bucks defensively. I think they have a ton of length, a ton of athleticism, and, and are just able to match up with the Bucks defensively better than maybe the other two teams are. Um, Kawhi, once again, kind of, um, you know, he, he's been there before. He's been in the finals. He's done everything that, you know, we could ask. You know, kind of like Kyrie, essentially, and he can hit a lot of big shots, too. That that dude is a force. So I think in my view, the Raptors are the team that I am scared of the most. I still think the Bucks are, you know, the, the, the best chance of moving on. But to me, it's the Raptors, then Celtics, then 76ers. That's my ranking. Uh, I mean, I get that. I mean, uh, I tuned out a little bit, but some of that oh, makes thanks, sense. Thanks. Huh? No, thanks. Well, I mean, it was it's very much more in depth than I was. Um, but it, oh, well, I'm sorry. I, yeah. Do you want me to go no, more so more childlike? Okay, so, yeah. So, which would be more in in line with yeah. what's normal? Me likey raptors, raptors, very good. Yeah, raptor. Yeah. See, 
What what happened though there is you did some extra credit, so you brought your grade up even though you got the answer wrong oh. by showing your work and actually uh, supporting uh, supporting documentation. There we go. Uh, the professor actually enjoyed the process more. Well, I'm happy even though even though he did nap uh, shortly in the middle. Okay, I was gonna say I did. I'm happy that I went from an F to a. D minus D plus. I mean, that's a passing grade at least. At least. Uh, don't try to um, don't try to influence the grading. Oh, okay. okay. So I got extra credit. Just I don't know how much. Okay, right. got it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So I might have still failed. Uh, all right. So these tweets in on this um, from my buddy, a different Joel, who's closer there's other Joels to, yeah, closer to a doctor than you are, in my opinion. Uh, Joel says the only way to cancel. That record member. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. ...was to write return to sender without opening the package. So if you got the first one and you got in trouble at home, hey, who's paying for this? Um, well... It's only a penny, yeah. <laughs> plus shipping and handling. No, it isn't. You're going to have to buy one of these every month for a whole year. Oh, well, no. Yeah. Well, I can cut the grass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, you're going to just return it, and you just, uh, you know, I take it back to the post office and return to sender. Simpler and times. off the hook. Simpler times. Uh, Joel reminds me of that. Um, a different one. Dan says on the Twitter poll question, 76ers, if Embiid is 100% healthy. It's um, a big if. It's a, it is a big if, and he's a game changer without question. Uh, John tweeted in, uh, Spotted Cow's been available in cans for going on three years. John, if you're going to, listen, there are plenty of things we do on the show that need correcting. Oh, yeah, a lot. But if you're going to correct us, then you got to correct us correctly. I didn't say that it wasn't available in cans. I said Darren Ravel tweeted it out to his 2.4 million followers that for the first time ever, Spotted Cow will be available in 24-pack cans. I even told you how it tasted in cans. Great. So, come on, John. Come on. Uh, JSEP said Spotted Cow will not be distributed out of state because they couldn't meet demand. Seems like they could, you know. Chris said the Celtics will win stuff. in six. Ooh. Bucks would sweep the Raptors. Hmm. Sixers would win in five. So, Chris... Do you has agree no with faith. any of that? He has no faith in the Bucs. They would lose to the Celtics. They would lose to the Sixers, but they would sweep the Raptors. There is not a single thing that Chris tweeted in that three-pronged approach. Wait. Do we? Do, do you want to do it? <laughs> do it. Okay, let's do it. Don't be excited when your tweet gets chosen for this segment. It's not a compliment. You just destroyed Twitter. Just know that when you tweet at the Mike Heller Show, we reserve the right to pick your tweet as the dumbest tweet of the day. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. This is the segment that we go dumpster diving in the Mike Heller Show Twitterverse. Are you really that stupid? It's kind of sad that we have so much good material for this segment. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Here's Mike with your dumbest tweet of the day. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, at one real Chris, Chris tweeted in after my Twitter poll question, what would be the most challenging series for the Bucks on the road to the NBA Finals? Right now, 50% of you say Celtics, 31% say Raptors, 19% 
say Sixers. Chris tweeted back and said Celtics would win in six. Bucks would sweep the Raptors and the Sixers would win in five. Well, Chris, that is on three fronts. Wrong, wrong, and wrong. Oh boy, I don't even know what to do with that. I don't agree with any one of those things. It, it, listen, <laughs> if, if if you'd have said, hey, Celtics is going to be really tough and just left it like Celtics would win in six, that's my toughest series. You didn't even give it that. The Bucks would sweep the Raptors. Um, I do like the Bucks over the Raptors. I don't think any second round, well, I don't think the rest of the way, there will be no more sweeps, I don't think, where the Bucks are concerned. Uh, the, the Sixers would win in five? Um, wow. Chris, you know, you tweet something like that, and then you do get called out. At one real Chris, nominated early mm-hmm. for the dumbest tweet of the day. Yeah, I like wow, it. We're only 30 minutes in. I like it. That's an early nomination, and that will likely hold up. My guess is that's going to go wire to wire today. Yeah? Ooh, first ever, wire to wire, early show, dumbest tweet of the day. I love it. All right. Don't you love the negativity I'm bringing to this show? Um, (laughs) Okay, good answer. I love it. You don't hate it. That's all I need. Uh, Speaking of, uh, well, there there wasn't much negativity. Let's take you through the Brian Gutekunst press conference when we come back. He met with the media earlier today, his pre-draft press conference. We'll take you through that uh, step by step. There wasn't a ton to glean, but nonetheless, that happens if you'll stay with us, this is the Mike Heller Show. This is the Mike Heller Show, powered by Metro by T-Mobile. Brian Gutekunst, the Green Bay Packers general manager, working his way through his second NFL draft. This one solo. Uh no co-pilot in this. I think Ted Thompson was had some involvement. I, we're not going to know how much, but this is solo and this is a, a real deal. This is a full 12 month of preparation uh to head up the draft. So this will be his first coming up on Thursday. Green Bay will have two picks in the first round at least on the clock as it lists as it's listed right now at number 12 and at number 30. In the draft, the Packers will have one second rounder, two or one third rounder, and two fourth round picks. A total of six of the first 118 selections in the draft. So let's take you through uh, Brian Gutekunst's meeting with the media today. Let's begin. Um, and again, understand Brian Gutekunst is certainly much better at this than Ted Thompson in dealing with the media and talking about what's to come. But it's still fairly generic, and he began by talking about the draft game plan. Yeah, I think there's different areas this year that are stronger than others, just, you know, like every year. Um, but, yeah, I think, again, like a, some of the things we've done, I think where our team sits today, I'm not super concerned about, hey, we, you know, we absolutely have to do this, we absolutely have to do that. I think we can kind of sit back, um, see where the draft board is strong, try to get there, and then um, just take the best players available. In doing this, he also talked about um, some subterfuge, uh, a little bit of misinformation, misdirection, because uh, he even began talking about what percentage of what is available now is believable. So here's Brian Gutekunst on dealing with misinformation. If you've done your work ahead of time, you know, if you've really put the work in and stuff, um, you kind of can can sniff out the stuff that's false information and the stuff that might have some legs to it. Um, I think you kind of address each thing as it comes, but like you know, like most people say, 90% of it is false information at this time. 
I think this is the part that gets really interesting. The Packers are going to be discussed in the ability to move up or down in trade scenarios on Thursday night from 12, which I would think would be in combination with one of their later draft picks, even 30. Uh, or could they slide out of the first round or move up from 30? And I think it's interesting to, to listen to Brian Gutekunst talk about the trading process during the draft. Certainly over the last last week and this week, um, those calls start to happen. And certainly we've taken a number of calls on you know the 12th pick so far this year. You know, last year those conversations um, happened, uh, teams moving up, um, you know, and um, certainly when, it, when we actually pulled the trigger to move back, uh, a lot of the conversations of us moving from 27 to, you know, back up to 18 hadn't happened because it just, we weren't at 27. So, um, you know, soon, I think as soon as, you know, um, we made the trade, our guys, you know, I told our guys, let's get back on the phone and see where we could, there was kind of a window um, of picks that I thought if we got back up in there, we'd still get a guy that we had valued at that, that range. So uh, it happened fairly quickly. Um, so you would think that there is a lot of that going on uh, this week for the Packers, mainly on draft. Nothing's going to happen until Thursday night, and nothing will happen likely until the draft gets underway. The Packers, as we talked about, have a pretty significant volume of picks in this draft. So how good is the draft overall? Yeah, I think it's every draft is different. You know, there's always I always kind of feel like there's a shelf, you know, where it kind of starts to fall off, and then maybe you have bigger numbers um, in that second tier, you know, and, you, and so you're always kind of trying to figure out where that is. But it's 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 different in every draft. It, there's drafts that I've been a part of where it's been just a two or three guys, and there's been drafts where it's been, you know, in the high teens, you know. All right. So and, and then this is where you kind of get nothing, but we're gonna play for you anyway. Um, talking about. The change in coaching staff, because would that have you directing, would you view last year's draft differently, and do you go in a little bit different direction this year with some different schemes and a new coaching staff? I think overall it's pretty similar. We're looking for really good football players that are versatile enough to really handle most uh, um, schemes. At the same time, I do think there, there are times where there are guys that maybe um, a little bit uh, have a different skill set uh, for what Matt's looking for than maybe what Mike was looking for. But uh, it's really, it's pretty minimal. And then final thought here from Brian Gutekunst, and that is, um, uh, I think, a fair question asked, and you're going to get a fair answer, but it doesn't get you further down the process to understand exactly what they're going to do, nor should we. Um, asked about the potential for a succession plan at quarterback, keeping this in mind that the Packers made the draft choice of Aaron Rodgers in this age year uh, for Brett Favre, don't see that happening now. Times have changed, and the, where uh, Rodgers is in his career arc appears to be different than where Favre was at the same time. Certainly no retirement talk, but that question was posed about the potential of a succession plan where the quarterback position is concerned. The whole succession plan thing, I think, is a little bit, you know. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Overhyped or whatever. I think, you know, I, I go back to when I first started and then when, certainly when Ted came back, you know, we value that position extremely highly. And I think, 
you know, every year we spend a lot of time on the quarterbacks and trying to, you know, figure out if, you know, what kind of players those guys are going to be in the NFL. And that's really, really important to us. Because um, if you don't have one, it's really tough to win in this league. So, you know, for us, it's just about each and every year trying to decide which of the guys that could potentially be starters in this league and, and difference maker type players. And um, and then if you ever if you have the opportunities to take them sometime in the, in the draft and that's the best thing for your team, I think I don't think you can hesitate with that. Yeah. So there's there's all of it. Now, if I had a test based on those six answers from Brian, Good, there was no he didn't give you anything, right? So here, here's can I give a grade to Brian Gutekunst? Yeah, absolutely, grade anything you want. It's an A. And and here's Perfect the press conference here's the reason. Anything. It's yeah. It's it's a. I was listening to it live. We we played it during the double team with Bob Brainerd and um, minus Dario Melendez and with Armin Sarian today. So I was listening uh, then, and I listened. I paid attention. I wasn't going to turn it off, but I didn't learn anything. That's what a GM press conference should sound like. By the way, Russell Westbrook and Paul George could take a lesson no about how to how to handle a press conference against a, a you know with a media that can be both your you know here's the problem can I can I um can I shift lanes here if you want whatever you want to well, do I mean, the, thing, be bad. The, the thing with Brian Gutekunst is uh it was a well done press conference I didn't specifically learn anything. All the stories that need to be written can be written off of what he said. Uh, we just did a radio segment playing the sound that he gave, even though I don't think I, you know, I like to use this term, I don't think I gleaned anything from it that I didn't already know. It's a good term. I, I, okay, I had two little micro takeaways. I mean, they're not like, it's kind of a little conspiracy, Joel, here. But I did find it interesting that when he was talking about the trade uh, availabilities of having potentially two first-round picks and using those to maybe move up or whatever, I thought it was interesting that he said that they fielded a lot of calls on 12. Doesn't mention pick 30. I don't think there's anything to that, but just thought that was a little bit interesting. And then the uh, the part about where he's talking about how the McCarthy players and LaFleur players are essentially the same. And I just, do you buy that? Because I don't think nothing I, Nothing changes defensively. Because no, you've got the same scheme the same defensive coordinator. Yeah. And I think offensively, sure, it changes. We talked to Chad Ryder about that on Friday. He talks about the different uses of the tight end that yep. you need to have more of them in your system because of how Matt LaFleur's offense uses the tight end, especially in the run game. Um, but yeah, I think it changes. They're going to run more of a zone blocking scheme. So maybe that would change, but he, he didn't say like for Cole Madison, who they drafted a year ago and who missed all of last year coming back. He didn't say that, uh, that he wasn't good for this system. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, he, I think at the end of the day, like good football players are good football players, yes. but I think, there, there has to be a little bit of a difference between what Fleur is looking for in certain position groups, whereas McCarthy was looking for maybe tight ends that could just be sure. pure pass catchers. But I think there's a minimal enough difference, and certainly he's not going to, again, the goal. What's the goal for the GM and that presser? To um, to not avoid questions, to answer them, to be uh, a politician, to spin it the way you want to, and to really not say anything other than what you want to have disseminated. All right, So that's the subterfuge concept. You want to get information out there and hope that somebody buys into something. Wait, didn't they just say, you know, this isn't certainly all other teams are going to, you know, scour the other press conference, see if there's anything that they can glean, pull from (laughs) those. I didn't want to use the same term. They can pull from those and say, well, that could be valuable. 
but there's the goal is to not have anything of value. Yeah, and I and think uh, still, mission accomplished. Yeah, and to still you know fill the what whatever twenty minute presser. I mean that's the goal. Mike, McG- a head coach's job is to do that. Although I would say this, you know, we'll get into this in the second hour because of what Russell Westbrook and Paul George have now done in back to back games. But it's not new to the NBA. It's not new to sports. I mean, Bill Belichick's been doing it for years. Greg Popovich has made a living out of doing it. Saban, too. Nick Saban has been that guy. So that Westbrook, I I don't love at all what Westbrook and George are doing. I think it, it makes them look bad. But we'll get into that in the second hour. I thought uh, Gutekunst was fine today, but you weren't going to learn anything in the deal. Yet still, the reporters can write their stories based on what he told them. Exactly. Filling in the blanks. Best case for both sides. Uh, We're going to visit with Pete Doherty. He'll join us at about 20 minutes past 3. Chad Ryder in the 4 o'clock hour. Hey, welcome in. This is the Mike Heller Show. Show. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Heller Show. Now, alongside Dr. J, here's Mike Heller. Okay, so I do love Mondays. I don't know if I love this one as much as most. There are certain Mondays, there's a certain portion of the calendar that Mondays are ridiculously good in sports talk. Uh, This isn't exactly that point in the calendar. Like, next Monday is going to be really good and interesting because uh, we'll be talking about uh, post-mortem on the NFL draft and then, you know... um, if uh, Joel was here, he would be giving the Packers a, a, a D minus as a grade because he would have it all figured out. That they can, they, why didn't they get this guy over that guy? And he would immediately have the the knee jerk reaction in a negative spin, uh, being the wet blanket that he is, where the Packers are concerned that they made the, this wrong decision and this wrong decision and this wrong decision. Well, who knows? I might stay up until two thirty in the morning and and you know review the fourth round of the Packers draft. The this year. thing is, you won't be actually in studio next Monday. Yeah, I could tweet out though. No, that's okay. okay. Uh, listen, you should not tweet when you're away from the show. Like if ever. You're, you're, well, I th- I want you to enjoy whatever time it is. That you don't have to put up with me for three or four hours a day. Oh, I'll enjoy it. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Without, I'll be just without, without diving into what we're doing in your absence. Uh, well, I mean, I want to dive into the draft. Uh, I don't care what you guys, if you guys are looking to do it also at the same time. I just, I would like to know who they draft, but well, I will only see the first round. Now that changes my opinion of your trip. I cared about your trip. Now I don't care about it anymore. At all? Yeah, period. You don't Zero. want me tweeting pictures now- like every 10 minutes? Uh, at inopportune times, yeah. so you're like about to go to bed, and I'm just tweeting out. No, so I'll just tag uh, you in all of them. Listen, so your phone um, dings. I made a mistake to open this hour of the program by going there. <laughs> I apologize for that. Uh, this is the Mike Heller Show. It is an NFL draft week. It begins on Thursday. Mike Pilch will be traveling to Green Bay. Um, I don't know the mode of transportation. Horseback, maybe riding a bike. Camel. Maybe he's hitchhiking. I'm not sure, but he will be in Green Bay for our coverage of the draft. I will be at the Lone Girl. Um, uniquely familiar Thursday from 3 until 7. A little bit of a time change, just shifting back an hour. 
to take you up to uh, live coverage of the NFL draft. And then when the Packers are on the clock, we'll take you live uh, to Green Bay. And Mike Pilch will be reporting. He's in studio, that guy that I'm talking about. Um, my name's Mike. Pilch or me? I was just talking about him, not oh, you. got it. Okay. Just want to make sure. Got it. Okay. My name is Mike Heller. Welcome to the show. Uh, to my left and misunderstanding just about everything we're doing so far is uh, the intern, the resident, Joel. Doctor, what is more serious, a head injury or a foot injury? Oh, boy. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's my favorite drop. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I, I keep changing my mind on that. Yeah. Hey. Got me a short week here, uh, just through Wednesday. Good weekend for the Milwaukee Bucks. They'll go for a sweep tonight. Boston is already swept, so if the Bucks win and Boston is already done, that series could begin as early as Saturday. We won't find out till later in the week, a couple of days from now probably. If the Bucks were to lose tonight, they'd be back in Fiserv form for a clinching Game 5 on Wednesday night. Brewers lost 3 of 4 over the weekend to the Dodgers. That means they lost the best-of-seven series to the Dodgers, four games to three, very similar to last October. It just didn't mean as much. Speaking of not meaning as much, here's Pilch with what's going on. Here's what's trending. Trending sports news. Well, what's going on is the Bucks are looking for the series sweep tonight. Giannis, do they want the sweep to get a little rest between rounds one and two before Boston's there? I think we definitely need uh, the time. But, uh, you know, as a team, we're going to try not to think about that. We're going to try to uh, focus in game four, come in, be hungry, play well, and uh, try to win that game. Uh, but it's going to be nice if we can, you know, win it, finish it here, and uh, get six days uh, some rest. He didn't want it. He said, we need it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's what he said. Yeah. And and I think with Boston having, you know, the being able to rest right now, um, yeah, that's that's exactly what you want. You You want the same amount minus a day you want the same rest to get healthy and and uh and get ready to go against boston which i think second round series are shaping up to be fantastic i mean fantastic first round has sucked uh it has been really boring it's uh absolutely nothing really compelling other than uh some pushing and shoving um and even that most of that's been pretty fake yeah so jared dudley looking at you jared dudley (laughs) What a clown! Hey, hey, what do you? What do you? Clown? He's totally clown. Like he's doing the thing. He's like kind of doing the Patrick Beverly thing, where it's like, all right, look, we're gonna lose, but we're gonna have that one instigator who might see if we can get somebody kicked out of a game, and then hey, you never know. Like I mean, he's just going after people just to see what can happen. That's all he's doing. He's instigating. I don't think that's the reason he's doing it, but. Uh, San Antonio Denver's been a good series. That's been about it, though. Everything else has been kind of. I don't know if it's been an exciting series. It's been yeah, a good it's series. It's tied. I don't yeah, know if well, it's exciting. It's the thing with Indiana. They hung in there against Boston at virtually every game, just not enough playmakers on offense to get anything done. The other game tonight, by the way, is Houston taking on Utah, and the Rockets looking to close that out in four straight. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I mean, the, the Jazz have had a couple opportunities. Houston's just better, and, and Houston. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just describing the game. Houston and Golden State second rounds got a chance to be uh, fantastic. That's what I'm talking about. Fantastic. Uh, You get uh, Toronto 
and uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia in the second round, Milwaukee and Boston in the second round, and Houston Golden State in the second round. And you've got some series to watch. Yeah, no, those are. I mean, that's uh, the second round of the NBA playoffs is always where things get fun. I mean, the first round, it's cool that all the teams get in and then they get to say they made the playoffs and all that fun stuff. But at the end of the day, the first round is usually terrible. Yeah, it's essentially kind of when the season starts for some of us. Uh, Brewers got five and two thirds from Brandon Woodruff yesterday. Five runs, seven hits, six strikeouts, two homers allowed. But Craig Council feels he's getting close. You know, I, I feel like Woody's really close here. He he, he pitched really well the last you know three and two thirds um the stuff was really good he made he just made he made some mistakes early in the game that you know that some middle mistakes that they punished when he got the ball where he wanted to he got he got out i thought he's pitched better than his overall numbers would indicate this season it's been kind of one bad inning for him in most of his yeah. starts of the three uh newbies in there and by the way corbin burns will go tonight for the san antonio mission so good. Keep, keep an eye because uh, I think Craig Council made it really clear that this was hopeful to be short term. Yeah, maybe just a couple starts down there, yeah. get things figured so out. See around. how he does tonight. But I, what I liked over the weekend, uh, Chase Anderson. Mm-hmm. If Chase Anderson, it, he he's been close. He was working on different things this spring training. You don't have to, sometimes you don't have to reinvent yourself, and I think he tried to reinvent some things. Now he's back to doing what he and his velocity is good. Chase Anderson could earn a job back in the rotation, which I would like a lot because I think it would take away some of the pressure that's on the middle three. Nothing wrong with what the Brewers are trying to do with Peralta and Woodruff and Burns, but if you could plug in a, another veteran and Anderson was good, then you got Anderson, Davies, and Chassin. And then you can rotate those three for two spots because that's kind of what you have to do anyway, right, Pilch? I mean, you've got to limit their innings. So if you were able to skip a spot in the rotation with Peralta, Burns, and Woodruff as you rolled forward, you kind of have to do that on a rotating basis to keep them Pretty much, good enough yep. to go in September. Yep, that's the idea. So you're going to skip them at least one guy every off day, and you might bump a guy for like a spot start for somebody else yeah. here or there. Actually, it's kind of funny because some people get on Zach Davies for throwing 87 to 90. Chase Anderson's like 90 to 93, maybe 95 at times. But Anderson's ball straight. Davies with the lesser velocity. There's times this two-seamer can move like crazy. So it doesn't matter that he's throwing 87. Anderson straight as a string. So in some ways, he's got to hit his spots almost more than Davies does if he doesn't have the real good velocity. By the way, I'm trying to do this thing this year where I don't overreact right away early in the season for the Brewers. Yeah, good luck with that. Their pitching is... A little worrisome at this point, but hopefully it turns around. See, I'm staying positive. I'm, I don't I'm see trying. anybody separating much in that division, though, uh, for what it's worth. By yeah. the way, a well-known name, kind of, in the Brewers' uh, organizational system last year, Gio Gonzalez. He is no longer with the Yankees. He has exercised the opt-out clause at his contract, and he is now a free agent. Yeah. So, so no thanks. that didn't last very long. I assume the question was, do you think the Brewers? No, it's just more. No, it's more of a just. Uh, this is what oh. an FYI type oh, okay. thing. Fair enough. Peyton Manning not joining Monday Night Football in the booth. ESPN certainly had hope Peyton would fill the role left by Jason Witten's return to the Cowboys, but Manning's not going to be in the booth when Monday Night Football kicks off. Or believe it or not, it's fiftieth season. Texans, Saints, Broncos, Raiders doubleheader. Instead, he's opted to host ESPN's new five-part, thirty-episode series, Peyton's Places, what? debuting on ESPN Plus in July. 
five-part, 30-episode... I don't get that either, but that's the way it's written. Peyton's Places? Does he just, like, go travel places? And is he Anthony Bourdain? Is that what's going on here? I didn't read what it was about. Is this but... No Reservations <clears throat> with Peyton Manning? Have you ever heard of Peyton's Place? Uh, no. It's a good movie back yeah. in the day. Oh. Yeah. Well, that probably... Peyton Place. That reference just... Yeah. yeah right over my head. Yeah, that's why I look um, at that way. To be fair to him... He is making a very wise decision in not taking the Monday Night Football role. All you get is criticized for that role unless you're really good at it. His legacy is already massively intact, so why why do anything in the public that's more likely than not going to tarnish you in some way? Hey, did you see this? Did you see this? Uh, the Wonderlick test scores for this. the quarterbacks have been revealed. The oh, quarterbacks yeah? in this year's draft. Yeah. Wait, by the way, it's, isn't it kind of weird how late it's been in the process to get the Wonderlick scores? Like Usually I feel like these things come out really early. Well... The highest was Ryan Finley with a 43. Now, players of note, Daniel Jones at 37, Clayton Thorsett at 32, Trace McSorley at 31, Will Greer at 30, Drew Locke at 26, Dwayne Haskins at 25, Kyler Murray a 20. A well-researched article on Medium looked at quarterbacks only and determined there was a minor benefit at that position. There seems to be a sort of smartness threshold where NFL quarterbacks need to be at least so smart to succeed. Once a quarterback passes that number, which is about a 25, their additional smartness has little to no effect on their on-field What success. did Kyler Murray get again? A 20. Oh, okay. I was just looking at it. <laughs> Interesting. I've always wondered how hard some of those guys try on some of those, too. Uh, that's a frankly. good point. But, okay, so I've taken a couple. Wonder- you can look them up online. You and I both didn't. Yeah. We both had, like, ridiculous Didn't scores. I have, like, a 37 or something? I, I think we both had almost a 40. Yeah, yeah like we it's, did. It's, it's actually, not the most difficult test. It's not. And honestly, if you take a couple practice ones. You're good to go. Oh, my God. Like, it is really not that hard. No, no. Some I mean, of the math might be just to get it done in the time frame. That's it. Yeah. Well, see, I think you can you can skip those and come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, skip the harder ones and go finish the easy ones first. That's the that's the yeah. strategy. All right. Can I add a piece of news yep. here? Yep. Uh, Breaking news. Well, it is, but it's not really. Uh, oh, the Brewers okay. have placed Junior Guerra on the bereavement list, so Junior Ooh. is going to be unavailable. I don't see the reason on that yet, but I'm sure we'll find out uh, in due time. Um, Donnie Hart has been optioned back to AAA San Antonio. Adrian Hauser recalled he will start tonight. Jake Patrishka recalled from AAA San Antonio. So uh, a bunch of roster moves. We knew most. I didn't know that Junior Guerra was on the edge um, you know, of, of a family situation. Um, so our whatever that is, we our thoughts go out to, to Junior. And maybe that's out there, and I just haven't seen exactly what it is. But Patrishka is on that, that shuttle between San Antonio and Milwaukee. Hopefully he gets some of the, the miles on those things. Um, <laughs> and Adrian Hauser goes tonight. For the crew in St. Louis, uh, no off day, and the Brewers go right back at it. Michael Walker is not going to pitch in that series. He's been placed yep. on the ten day IL with a knee injury. Yes, that is yeah. new. Waka Waka. Yeah, for Guerra, that could be two days. It could be four or five. That's impossible to know. That's a big piece of your bullpen. You won't have here against St. Louis, though. I was going to say in the bullpen right now, it's whew, tough times down there in the bullpen. Also, another little NFL note: the Bills did sign running back T.J. Yeldon to a two-year contract. Now, Tigers winning Masters putt already has 7.4 million more views than Patrick's reads from a year ago. That's it? So in a week, video of Tigers winning Masters putt has 7.4 million more views than reads overall. 20 times as many clicks in just one week. His reaction, by the way, is classic to it. I mean, it's a short putt, obviously, but... 
his reaction was great. I mean, he's swollen, thrown off the muscles in, in the well, weight room. Well, sun's out, guns out. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the bereavement list in Major League Baseball is a minimum of three games. Mm-hmm. So, Guerra's gone at least three games, a maximum of seven. Just a little info. Okay. Pass so, he's out for this tell. series. Yeah, he's out for this series. That's yeah. uh, it's not great. Um, yeah, I mean, the Tiger thing, I'm actually honestly surprised the number's not higher. I just, people like Tiger Woods a lot more than Patrick Reed. <laughs> Breaking That's one news. way to put it. Yeah, breaking news. Yeah. yeah. Um, who thought? Who saw that coming? Yeah, I just I can't. Believe- Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That's shocking. Well, in one year compared to one week, though. I no, don't I mean, know. it's 7. still. 7.4 is. You're right. I think if you measured him over a year. It'd be each, ridiculous. Like Tiger number. Woods will probably <laughs> yeah. end up with what yeah. sounds more likely, you know, to be like 50, 60 million more views. And it makes sense. <clears throat> be the guy's the most beloved sports figure in that sport. So. Uh, the Easter Bunny got into a street fight in Orlando. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we just watched that. Yeah, a man and woman were fighting in Orlando when the Bunny f- just came up from behind and started throwing rapid punches. He didn't care it at all for his own safety. Um, oh a fight on the streets <laughs> no, of Orlando. Oh, my God. <laughs> busted thanks to a guy in the Easter Bunny uh, costume. The Sorry. video's online. The woman was doing a good job on her own when the bunny joined into the brawl and just started throwing what the station There's only one song on it referred to, right to as rabbit punches. The broke was the fight was broken up by a bystander and a bike cop. The video does show the bunny shadow boxing and chest bumping fellow Easter revelers after the battle royale. I mean Yeah. I feel like it, like the punches wouldn't I mean there's a lot of padding in there, you know. This is a full costume. Like, yeah. <laughs> Hey, those punches Maybe are rocks in there or something too. Yeah, yeah, know, something like that. Thanks. Thanks for taking us down that rabbit hole. There you got oh. it. I didn't care at all. Care at all for that. Yeah, needed rabbit ears to stick away with all these stories. You went there twice. I had to. Uh, all right, thanks, Pilch. Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press Gazette, PackersNews.com. A little draft conversation with Pete will happen here next. This is the Mike Heller Show. NFL Draft Week for everybody in the league, certainly for the Green Bay Packers. This is one of those really important times in the career arc of Brian Gutekunst. How you measure it, how you play it out when it's all said and done. Um, in the short term, is hard to do. In the long term, certainly you can grade out drafts after you played a couple of seasons, but it'll be interesting. We get a chance to visit with Pete Doherty, Green Bay Press Gazette, PackersNews.com, to kind of set the table. And, and Pete, we appreciate you jumping in on a Monday uh, maybe we'll bookend the week after the Packers do their work on Thursday night in the first round. But Brian Gutekunst met with the media today. Um, we we played back the the bulk of what he had to say, which he does really well. But he didn't. There wasn't anything new newsworthy in particular in there, was there? <laughs> no, I um, I skipped it. Um, you know, I generally <laughs> yeah. if the GM's going to talk, I want to be there. Uh, 
with the coach, if, you know, especially in the off season, if he's talking, I, you know, I want to be there, but there was just, there's other things to do and other people to talk to. And there's just nothing that he's the chances of him saying anything worth knowing are slim. And if he does, you know, I could listen to your show and find out. Right. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll let you spend the 25 minutes or 20 minutes sitting through the whole thing. Well, and he's, he's become already, he's polished at it. He's, he certainly isn't going to put anything out there. He doesn't want out there and he's not going to, although he will um, answer the questions. He does it in, in a very polished way that he doesn't say anything. He doesn't want to. So that being said, how do you see this week shaking out? What's the importance in, in draft number two and its first full year uh, to prepare for, how's the importance measure up for this year's draft? Yeah, I mean, like you said, yeah, I mean, the, the drafts, of course, they're always important. But I think this one's huge because uh, he's got ten picks, two in the first round. That's pretty rare, so that's um, you know, that's some real draft capital there. Uh, early drafts are really important for GMs because if you want to be a GM long term, you got to hit on some picks early so you have a decent team so they keep you around. You know, so. Uh, I, I think it's huge in that way too. There's so many ways they could go with those. You know, they have pick 44 to also. So for those first three picks in the first 44 selections, um, there's so many different ways they could go. Uh, and they need help just about everywhere. And they need difference makers more than they need anything. So I think this is a huge draft. And how often are they picking in the top 12? Um, you know, if you look over the last 25 years, it's just a handful of times. Well, and ultimately, that's uh, not the position you want to be in. But when you're there, you better take advantage of it, or you're going to stay there, right? I mean, you you only want to cycle into the top half of the draft occasionally. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if you're up there a lot, I mean, look, teams can get stuck up there forever. Remember the Rams? Sure. You know, and yeah. finally, they got a quarterback, and they you know Kurt Warner, and they won the Super Bowl. But they were picking in the top five. I don't know how many years in a row that was. So, yeah, that can be a disastrous cycle. Um, and you can get a really good player at around 12. I, you know, I'm trying to figure out the odds of a trade up or a trade back. Um, I keep going back and forth on whether they're likely. I'm guessing back is a little more likely than up. But what if a guy they really like is there at like eight or nine? You know, that that could really get their attention. And when you do that, when you when you think of okay, if somebody's, is there a somebody that you're thinking? That if that guy's there after seven, now the Packers are on the phone to to see if they can consummate the trade that maybe they talked about in case that scenario came into play. Yeah, you know, um, maybe I wonder if Devin White is that good. You know, the linebacker yeah, yeah. um, kind of makes you wonder. It's not a, you know, it's not a premium position, but if you think the guy is Derek Brooks or, um, sure. you know, I, the the comparison I've heard is Patrick Willis who had a shorter career because of injuries, but, you know, he's a Hall of Fame type guy. He may not make it, I don't know, but he was a difference maker, so it probably is worth trading up if you think the guy uh, is that good. So that's one name that, that springs to mind. I was just wondering, it was weird. I was doing, a, I did a mock draft with Sam Farmer of the L.A. Times, and the pick came up, and Murray was still on the board when the Packers picked. I didn't know what to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> I really, I had no idea what to do. I, I kind of well, you didn't take him, and, did you? And I picked some. I picked. I picked somebody else. I didn't okay. pick Murray. But <laughs> if you're the Packers, I don't know. Uh, I mean, if you, if you're pretty excited about the guy, how do you how do you pass on a on a quarterback if you think the guy's really good? Yeah, I was. We're going to visit with Chad Ryder a little bit later on. We had him in studio on Friday, NFL.com, and I, I like what Chad does uh, and really value. Yeah, Chad's his, great. Yeah. yeah, value yeah. his thoughts on this. And he had Devin White going eleventh 
to Cincinnati when he did his mock um, on Friday um, and had the Packers taking Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle from Alabama. Now, when if they were to do something like that, uh, Pete, people aren't going to stand and cheer. But I, th- I think Indianapolis is the model, right, where that's concerned if you make your offensive line better. And the Packers do have a couple of concerns and, and, and a hole in the offensive line that they're not sure of. So a guy like Jonah Williams, although not really sexy at number 12, can be a difference maker. Yeah, you know, um, that, that is the model. Now, I'd be a, I'm a little cautious because I think that guy that they picked, and it's a guard of all things. I mean, talk about a position that's not valued. And yet I think I'm just might be special, you know, I go back and forth on this because you look at the Cowboys and how good their offensive line is. They've had the top ranked offensive line. I don't know how many years in a row. Um, and what's that done for them? You know, right. right. Um, so you go back and forth on this. You still, you know, difference makers at quarterback, pass rusher, now tackle. You need a guy there too. They got back to Like if Dillard's on the board at 12, um, you know, the, the tackle from Washington state, that's a guy they would have to, think long and hard about I would think just you know play the right side and maybe you can plug him in at guard for for a season or uh, you know play him at right tackle and move a log inside even you know the options would be open but uh, you need tackles in this league that's for sure is there a position group that you would kind of stay away from if you're the Packers early in the draft or I guess is there one that if they drafted in the first round with one of those first two picks that you'd be like whoa that pick okay wasn't expecting that position yeah yeah, the closest one to that would be receiver. I know you see these mocks, and a lot of people haven't picking up a receiver. Um, I would put that really low on the priority list, and I don't think this is the greatest receiver draft, at least for how they're viewed as prospects going into the draft. Um, and I think they've got some talent to work with with those guys they picked last year and Allison back from injuries. So I'd shy away from that. And probably corner two, they put so many resources into that last year. Um, I'm guessing – you know, if a couple players are equal, you don't take the cornerback this go-round, where in a lot of years maybe you would. But those would be the only two positions. I think everything else is completely in play. Uh, the, the You know, the, one of the conversations, obviously, would be uh, running back depth, too. I know people love Aaron Jones, right? Uh, the guy that sits to my left loves him yep. some Aaron Jones. <laughs> I do. Um, but there can be difference makers at that position. And where Matt LaFleur has been concerned, the running game – becomes pretty uh, paramount in what they did in Los Angeles, what they did try to do in, in Tennessee, what they've done in Atlanta. The running game is a, a critical part there. You can't do it with just one in this league. It's just you can't do it. Those guys get hurt way too much. And Aaron Jones is the poster boy. You know, three MCLs in 13 months. Uh, he had a hamstring in camp last year that sidelined him for almost all of camp. Um, he's an injury weight. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's to happen. He is a really dynamic guy, and I can. I mean, there's a lot to like there, but they've got to have another one. Jamal Williams is a, is a guy like you really want football players like that on your team. Really tough guy. Protects in the passing game. Catches it okay. You know, okay runner. But if they want to run the ball like they like LaFleur says they do and like his previous teams have, I think they need another back. 
I would at least have him play Jacobs at 30. I don't know if he makes it there or not. I just saw something today that sounds like he might go in the mid-20s. Um, I'd at least think about it, though it sounds like there's decent value if you wait till the second or third round, too. But I'm thinking I have I have running back really high on the priority list, but maybe higher than most people do. Yeah, and uh, Packers make a little news uh, away from the draft on uh, contract extension today? Um. I don't think I saw that. I've been did on they, the phone all did afternoon. They, did they, uh, Joel, did they do something with Kenny Clark? Uh, okay, oh. so it was asked about in the press conference. He said that they hadn't done anything yet. Yeah, I thought then I but saw that it was sent out shortly Yeah, no, I, I, I did see that, Mike. They, um, there's, you know, with first-round picks, you get the fifth-year option, but you have to declare it in April before the guy's fourth year, and that's a no-brainer because I wouldn't be surprised at all if they do an extension with this guy uh, sometime this offseason or during training camp. Uh, he's... He's their best guy in defense right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, if you don't mind, we'll probably try to, to recapture um, your reaction to Thursday night when we get to the uh, to Friday on the show and, and see what's going on. No, that'd be, that'd be great, Mike. Look forward to it. All right, thanks, Pete. Pete Doherty, the Green Bay Press Gazette, PackersNews.com, joining us on this uh, Monday edition of the program. He'll rejoin us Friday. Packers are going to have two selections on Thursday night, as it stands right now, number 12 and number 30, Mike Pilch will be in Green Bay to cover the NFL draft. We'll be doing our show from the Lone Girl in Wanakee, uh, which is just north of Madison, and we invite you to come out and join us. Three until seven, but probably sticking around after because, you know, the Packers aren't going to be on the clock at seven. It'll be later. So I won't be here. You won't, you won't oh. have to put up with me either, so oh. that's good. Well, good. Then, uh for the rest of us, it will be uniquely familiar, which is uh, ah, so yeah. you did there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's that's the catchphrase for longer. There we go. Makes sense. Um, press conferences. We just oh, talked about no. one with Brian Gutekunst. Uh, I've got some thoughts on the press conferences that have been of late for the Oklahoma City Thunder, which we don't normally talk about here, but we will because it's a much deeper storyline. We'll touch on that when we come back. You're listening to The Mike Heller Show. Okay, so a little draft confirmation for you. we got uh, Pete Doherty doubling up this week. Just had him in the previous segment. He'll join us again on Friday. Bill Huber, PackerReport.com, will double up tomorrow and Thursday on the show. Chad Ryder will quadruple up this week on the program today, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for Chad Ryder, NFL.com. So when does his last mock come out? Do we know? Well, I had one on Friday, but um, we'll ask him. He's going to join us in about an hour, what, about an hour and ten, no, an hour from now. There we go. 4.35, right about this time next hour. Mock number 17.94. Okay, so uh, a lot to, uh, to, you know, a lot to unpack, a lot of layers to that uh, NFL draft onion. Just using uh, cliches, sorry. Uh, I feel like I'm at Outback We'll get there. We're going to get there. Uh, we've been there. We'll get back to it in a moment. I wanted to. I just had some thoughts on the Russell Westbrook, um, Paul George post game. So they've got a beef with the media, right? Apparently, and I, you know, maybe they've got a, a fair source in it. Here, this is always the for me. This is always the get back 
um, question, uh, it always gets back to this. When players and coaches meet with us, members of the media, whether that's a press conference or in front of their locker or, you know, in the college game, uh, outside the locker room or after practice, whatever that is, we are the conduit. Those of us in the media that are there, and I'm not always a member of the media, but when I do post-game interviews and press conferences, then I take on that role. Otherwise, I'm a talk show host. But we're the conduit. We're the go-between between the team, the coach, the player, and the fans. We're, the, we're, your, we're your access. You're not getting in the locker room. You're not getting in to ask these players questions on a regular basis. It's just a rarity. We're the conduit for you. So when Russell Westbrook and Paul George cut off the conduit because they don't like what has been said, reported, or written about them, what they've really done is they've cut off you, the fan. So I look at Oklahoma City and I'm thinking, what a disaster for that media market, for those fans who spend a lot of money to support that team to have their best players be jerks. They're not alone. This has happened for a long time, and it happens in lots of different media markets. James Lofton didn't like talking to the media in Green Bay. Sterling Sharp didn't talk to the media in Green Bay. Steve Carlton of the Philadelphia Phillies, one of the greats, didn't talk to the media. Uh, Ted Williams didn't like the media. Bill Belichick still doesn't talk to the media. And hold on, because apparently my computer froze. So you think having a 37-year-old... We're on to Cincinnati. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. Okay, is there, is, do you feel like the talent you have here is good enough? We're getting ready for Cincinnati. What is your response, Well, I mean, I'm just asking, do you think you've done enough to help Tom Brady? We're getting ready for Cincinnati. So what he's doing there is he didn't like the line of questioning, but even if the line of questioning is not to his liking, he's not giving you anything ever, ever. So we put up with it, and I say we, in general, uh, big umbrella, all of the media, and the NFL puts up with that because all he does is win. All he does is win. He's got, by by rule, in the league, he's got to make himself available. He does give better answers than those, but not always. You get away, people do it at all different levels. Uh, Greg Popovich. Last finals and this finals has been a really series of plenty adjustments. Um, do you feel that you have something to change um, from the way you guys played game three to the way you guys are going to play game four? Something strong that you have to change? No. Uh, it's a fair question and wasn't answered. Popovich does it in-game on the mandated in-game interview. That's become just kind of a bit, right? I mean, that's just become expected. Uh, when Craig Sager was doing it, 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 it was funny. Sometimes it was awkwardly funny. Um, you just hate to be that reporter that has to do it. Nick Saban has done it for years. But Kobe Bryant had his times when he would do that. But here's here's my issue. I just don't want to separate it out and say it West, this is a Westbrook and, and Paul George situation, but this is what they've sounded like the last couple of times. 
Barry Trammell with the Oklahoma and Russell. The first half, both teams struggled offensively. It was a, sort of a slug of a game. Both teams got going in the second half. What happened that sort of reversed the reversed the uh, the tone of this game? Next question. Yeah, Russ. The uh, the uh, fourth quarter, they you got a fifteen point lead. They catch up. What happened in the last six, seven, eight minutes that reversed the momentum and let you guys uh, burst back away? Kerry Eggers, Portland Tribune. Paul, why did you dunk there at the end of the game? Next question. So, um, and what they do? What they do yesterday? What was their one-word answer? Uh, you guys did a great job on Lillard in the first half. He didn't score until the last seventy-five seconds of the half. Were you pleased with the defense you played on him, and, and how did it change when when he got going in the third quarter? Oh. Uh, that's a good question. Um, not sure. Yeah. Um, Multiple just not sure. Yeah, so so here's uh, – and, and we saw it with um, – who did we see? The Seattle running back. Uh, oh, Marshawn Lynch, Marshawn just here Lynch not to get fined. Yeah. Um, you have to – you have to. Uh, you're required uh, by the league to to send your top players to the postgame press conference. So they do that. Uh, I was there at Wednesdays at Fiserv Forum. For uh, Dwayne Casey, for Budenholzer, for um, I think Detroit sent in um, their um, guard from Duke. I can't even think of his name. Um, he answered questions, and then Giannis Canard? and yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. was and Giannis and Eric Bledsoe. So, listen, it's easier to do it when you win, right? But Casey was good. I mean, Casey answered the questions. Um, Kennard answered the questions. Uh, certainly, Bud did. He's he's always you know good at it. As long as you ask good questions, he's going to give you a decent answer. He's very good at it. Uh, Giannis has been fantastic. Bloodso was good. It's different when it gets contentious. But here's the problem: um, you can't hold your players to a different standard than you hold your coaches. So when Popovich does it, and some people think, "Oh, that's just Pop being Pop. That's funny." Uh, you you can't. Well, he wins. But you can't hold him to a different standard than you hold your players. So if uh, the league is going to get after what Westbrook and George were doing, then the league's going to have to get after Popovich when Popovich does it. But here's the problem. This is a, this is a problem. People are going, big deal. It, it, okay, it's not a big deal here other than it's just a bad look for Westbrook and George. It's a bad look for the NBA when, when they do that. But what about... What about Oklahoma City? What about your ticket office? What about when you're trying to continue to sell the product and you've got guys shutting out their local media? Well, I mean, this has been a thing in Oklahoma City, like going back to Kevin Durant. There's been lots of, I don't know, there's some huge disconnect between the media and that team. And I don't exactly know what it is. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm sure that there has been negative articles written, but guess what? There's been negative articles written about every team and players from pretty much every team across the nation. It it is, I'm with you in in just the regard that I think some people have thought that the Pop and Belichick stuff has been funny over the past. I've always thought it was lame. I always thought, like, when when Pop's doing stuff with Craig Secker on the sideline, that's fine because it's a bit, because it's like this established weird thing that they do. Is it weird? Sure. But is it hurting anybody? No. This part... Yeah, you are kind of 
breaking down that connection between fan and between player. It's an Adam Silver issue. Yeah, it should be. And, Adam and I Silver guess, needs to step in, but but then he's got here's I get it. Player association says, wait, you can't come down on our guys if you're not going to come well, down. Okay, on well here's the if question: you're not come down on so and so. Yeah, then here's the question: Are these guys contractually obligated to talk to the media or not? Because if they are, then they're not meeting their obligation. Find them and. You know, if you just keep finding them, and then we'll see what happens. But I think the wording is that they have to show up and be present. Well, then, change, then, and take then figure out a way to change the wording because yeah, that's a ridiculous. That, to me, again, yeah. it's still it ends up coming back to be an Adam Silver situation. Yep. They can't just ignore it and look the other way. Yeah, and I know and that it's people a bad look. And oh, listen, yeah. Oklahoma City could be done in two nights, and then the problem is over. But or they could continue. Well, okay, and then and, the and problem here's, isn't over. The problem continues. And here's the thing with what I don't really understand about Russell Westbrook is like. I don't think you can knock the dude's effort or hustle on the court. He he tries more than almost anybody other than maybe Michael Jordan himself. I mean, that part of his game is unassailable. What's not unassailable is like this weird fake tough guy bravado garbage on the side. Whether it's in-game, trying to make beefs out of nothing on the court, or stuff like this with reporters, it's like he just has to go to this place for no reason. I don't think this benefits him. I don't think it benefits the team. I don't think it benefits the league. I don't think it benefits anybody. But he's just in this weird headspace where he's like, this is how I got to act. This is how I, this apparently puts me in some great winning headspace. Well, guess what? You're losing the series 3-1. You're getting clowned by Damian Lillard right now. Teams are begging to, for you to shoot the basketball. Like it just I don't really get why he's in this space and then somebody could sit there and say, Oh, Joel, maybe you just don't really know Russell Westbrook all that well, and you're right, because he doesn't answer any questions. How right. the hell could I actually know who he is? Other guys answer questions. I got a pretty good idea of Kevin Durant, because he actually answers some questions. LeBron James answers questions pretty well. A lot of these guys answer questions, and we know that you're not going to give us the most perfect answer every single time, and it sounds like media just complaining about media things. But all you got to do is do the Brian Gutekunst. From today, he had a perfect press conference today where he spoke for 20 minutes and said nothing but gave everybody the quotes they needed for their articles. Yeah. That's fine. It's uh, it's a bad look, and uh, just I know that it's been talked about. Uh, certainly, it has been on the networks where you know watching uh, sports centers and. It's there. I just, uh, it, it, to me, the bad look comes from Westbrook and it comes from Paul George. But the answer to the to the problem is an Adam Silver situation. It can be the ownership in Oklahoma City, where you know, listen, we're we're paying you, and we'd like for you to answer some questions. It's a league rule, but you're making us look bad. We signed the paycheck. I mean, to be fair, you there you don't say a whole lot, but you've got to give them something. Ownership there is so scared to you know yeah, lose their best boat. guy that yeah. you know like, let's just call it what yeah. it is kind of a mess. All right, so listen in the uh, in the next out of the program, the Milwaukee Brewers have made a bunch of changes. All right, a bunch of changes into the St. Louis series that gets underway tonight in St. Louis. We'll uh, run down a few of those, update you on our Twitter poll question. Bucks have a chance to complete the sweep tonight in Detroit, but what's next? And in what's next, what makes you nervous? What's the most challenging? We'll get to that conversation in the 4 o'clock hour as well, plus Chad Ryder at 435NFL.com on the draft. We continue. Stick around. This is the Mike Heller Show.
is the Mike Heller Show. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Heller Show. Now, alongside Dr. J, here's Mike Heller. In and underway on a Monday, kind of a big Monday night where the Bucks are concerned, a chance to sweep out the Detroit Pistons in the opening round and, in that regard, keep pace with rest and off days with the Boston Celtics. They're next. So you need to keep pace and be able to do that. Brewers begin a series against St. Louis. Tired of St. Louis. My goodness. Uh, so that begins tonight. Adrian Hauser will get the start. I said right before we took a break that uh, the Brewers had – made a number of moves, and they have. They they had to be active today. Uh, so Junior Guerra has been placed on the bereavement list. That's a minimum of three days, so he'll miss this series. Donnie Hart, left-handed pitcher, is opting, optioned back to San Antonio um, in AAA. So left-handed pitcher Donnie Hart is out. Right-handed pitcher Adrian Hauser and Jake Patrishka have been recalled from San Antonio. So Hauser makes his... Major League starting debut tonight for the Brewers. And Patriska called back up. He's just on that two-way shuttle going back and forth between Milwaukee and wherever they are uh, in San Antonio, wherever the missions are at the time. So uh, the Brewers making a number of moves and getting ready for tonight in St. Louis. Michael Waka won't pitch in the series, which is good. And one other note, saw this uh, just a, a few moments ago. Yesterday, when the Cardinals finished their game against the New York Mets, Jordan Hicks finished the game with the fastest pitch of the year, a 104.2 mile an hour fastball. Sure. Oh, four. What was uh, What's the pitch speed that Aroldis Chapman has like tattooed on his wrist? It's like 105.9 or something I don't insane. Know. I don't know, but a radio station could turn that into a good thing, couldn't they? <laughs> 105.9. Somebody could hit, uh, well, they hit 97.3 all the time, don't they? Yeah. That, well, that's a pretty common speed, yeah. Yeah. We just need to find one that's particularly that, and then we'll, you know, 97.3, the game. Hey, uh, by the way, I can also add this. Jeff Patrikas, uh, he, he cares, all right? So he Does just, he? Yeah, he sent out a, a About? beautiful, thoughtful tweet um, Taco Bell? a few minutes ago saying, big week for Heller with the crew playing the cards in St. Louis. So it's just good to know that he cares. He's looking out for yeah, your, your health and well-being. That's great. Yeah. So I love I'm, it. I'm glad to know that it, it's good to know that Jeff cares. He's... He's got a, a rough exterior, um, which hides the rough interior, which occasionally is uh, besieged by something that shows he might actually care, but he doesn't, okay? Let me make that really clear. Okay, he so, doesn't care. So you just described the Grinch, but a real person. Yeah, he's, he's yes. It's okay. a very uh, apt way to look at it. Welcome in. This is the Mike Heller Show. My name is Mike. To my left, that would be to your right if you're looking at your radio. Uh, his name is Joel. He's lying. He has a doctor's note. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No 
purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Dr. J. I don't know why sometimes I don't, like, sometimes you'll say something in the first segment and I'll come up with what I think is a good joke for it. And then I just burn it right away instead of waiting for after the doctor's drop. Hmm. I could have done the Grinch thing then. It would have, you could've. know, yeah. it would have been good, a nice little bit after the sound effect. But no, 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 Joel, you just got to go and blow it right out of the gate. It's all about timing. I clearly don't have any of that. Uh, Chad Ryder, NFL.com, will join us just after 4.30. Uh, there's just nobody that we talk to that is uh, more in touch and I think better equipped to, to talk about the NFL draft. And where that's concerned, the Green Bay Packers, uh, than Chad Ryder. And he'll join us every day this week but tomorrow. <laughs> Today, crazy. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is going to be in Nashville where the draft takes place. Um, today he's here. He'll join us at 435. And that brings me to Mike Pilch, who's also with us in studio, is standing by with what's going on. Here's what's trending. Trending sports news. Some useless information at the top. Aroldis Chamins 105 is the fastest ever recorded when he was pitching in Cincinnati. Nolan Ryan hit 104 on the old the slow radar guns back in the early 70s, so there's a lot of people that feel Nolan Ryan may have hit 107 or 108. So mm. that's just, but he did it on the old slower guns of the early 70s, so keep that in perspective. Seems impossible. Everything was slower then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the days were slower. They were 25 hours. Yeah. Hey, did you hear that Junior Guerra was placed on the bereavement list? Not good for him, but uh, Mike went through those moves the Brewers made. Dottie Hart option to AAA. Adrian Hauser starting tonight. Along with Jake Patrishka, he has been recalled from there as well. Now, Christian Yalich this season, 12 for 24, with eight homers and a and an almost impossible 19 RBIs in his games against the Cardinals this year. Seven of them. That That's just ridiculous. He leads the big leagues with 13 homers. All of Comet Miller Park, and only two of his 31 RBIs have been on the road. So weird. Yeah, a buddy of mine was uh yeah. was sampling um a Chicago radio station when we were in commercial break. Yeah. Because I mean you wouldn't listen to Chicago Sports Talk Radio while we're talking. I mean that's blasphemous, so yeah. Makes and sense. They were uh, I think it's on the score in Chicago. They were referencing those Yelich numbers and intimating that the Brewers might have something mm. untoward happening in okay. home games and that Yelich could know the pitch selection. I was just going to say, uh, conspiracy, Joel. Ding, 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 chiming in here. Um, I think the Blue Jays just recently with, like, Bautista back in those days. Yeah. They were, it was pretty heavily debated that they definitely had something going on with a guy in, in the outfield or, or outfield who would definitely stand up or sit down depending on different pitches I that were coming in. I think it's funny that every major league hitter knows a fastball's coming from Josh Hader and they can't hit it anyway. <laughs> Yeah. When you locate your pitch or you have good stuff, a lot of times it doesn't yeah. matter. Those numbers By the are way, a me, little bit weird, let though. Me, I mean, let me come paint on. some numbers where Yelich is concerned that, that have nothing to do – well, I mean, they have something to do with home field. Uh, last year at the All-Star break, Yelich was hitting two ninety two. That was his average. Uh, his slash line was two ninety two, three sixty four, four fifty nine. Uh Career, he was a two eighty eight hitter. So – since then, he's hit 364, slashing at 451, 792. So in 400 plate appearances, his career OPS has gone up by 51 points Jeez, in dude. 400 plate appearances. Moved him up 200 spots on the overall career OPS plus leaderboard. Ahead of Yastrzemski, Tony Gwynn, Winfield, <laughs> and Eddie Murray. 
those guys also did it as they got to their 40s yeah. and they're that high, keep in mind. But yeah, that's that's almost impossible. Of course, the other conspiracy Joe part that would knock that away is why aren't other hitters getting a little help and doing more too? Yeah, I mean, that, okay, that's that there is your like takedown of Shaw that. or Jesus yeah. Aguilar like, or whoever like somehow like what is he is Yelich paying some guy to go sit out of the outfield every week but yeah. uh you know what when Shaw and Braun and those guys Aguilar especially just just sit down all the time don't let him mm-hmm. know yeah like, come on it is a very bizarre home road split <laughs> yeah. yeah I wouldn't mind him see you know hit a couple dingers on the road that would be kind of nice like tonight would be good uh, tonight would be great. pitches to him uh, they probably do, because they clearly haven't well, shown that they're not going to. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Bucks trying to close out the Pistons tonight in Game 4. The other f- game tonight is Houston and Utah. Houston trying to close that one out in 4. Now, Brad Stevens, his team has advanced with a four-game sweep over Indiana, and he says, my roster, it's it's pretty deep. We've talked about our depth as a positive. We knew coming into the year it was going to be a challenge. But if it all comes together, it can be a positive. And it's, you know, we're still hopefully trending upward. We don't, you know, we want to be playing better each time we take the court. So we all feared, well, most of us, many of us feared Boston in round two. And there they are. They put it together and swept Indiana four straight. Uh, it brings us to our Twitter poll question. Uh, most challenging series. This is a question I asked today on our Twitter poll question. You can vote on it. What would the most challenging series be for the Bucks on the road in the NBA Finals? Uh, and right now, the Celtics, 50% of the vote. The Raptors, 29%. 76ers, 21%. I would have voted the Celtics. I would have done that if I posted the poll question on February 1st. I would have voted the Celtics. And every week since. It's not changed for me. The The Celtics are, it's it's a good roster with a good coach. Budenholzer is not going to outcoach. But he's not going to get out. He won't get out coached either, though. So yeah. that was the difference from a year ago, um, and so that's at worst a, a wash. Um, this is a good roster that the Boston has, and all of the dumpster fire that was going on February, and March, uh, a switch it can be flipped in the playoffs. And yep. for Boston, I think that switch is Kyrie Irving, and to me, he's the best finisher maybe in the game. So uh, it's it, it's a heck of a series. Hopefully, we're talking about it in full. Tomorrow with the Bucks sweep. Yeah, they uh, their care factor is there. Not to mention Gordon Hayward's uh, healthy and he's figuring things out. And Jason Tatum has turned into playoff Jason Tatum again too. Well, they are we missing. They, would. they are missing Mackie Smart. Marcus Mac- Smart. Mackie Smart. Yeah, he gone. Sorry, I just wanted. To... <laughs> he's really fun to that. Mackie Smart is a really fun name to say when you have a Boston accent, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that was a Boston accent. Well, it took me a while to figure it out, too. Mackie Smart. Yeah, I finally. You packed a can and have it yet. Warrior All-Star Swingman Clay Thompson said (laughs) a a few moments of the Pacific Ocean Saturday helped him clear his head after a slow start to the playoffs. He had 42 points combined in their first three playoff games. He had 32 in 40 minutes Sunday in their Game 4 win over the Lakers. Clay said... Went to the beach with a friend, played some volleyball, jumped into the ocean for a while at work. Now, keep in mind, San Francisco, that water is freezing really there. Really cold. And he said, you know what? I'll definitely contemplate it next time. But he goes, it did me good. It got my head in the right space, and, and it worked for game four. Okay, so let me ask. Um, you know, can they? Can Corbin Burns go take a dip in the Pacific? <laughs> well, maybe like Michigan. <laughs> Travis Shaw? <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I was just going to say, I mean, it was really nice to see Clay uh, give an answer that actually is is totally innocuous, really stupid, and at the same time gives everybody something to write about. Right. 
instead yeah. of next question. Which Brewer player would most benefit from a, a little dip in the Pacific? Uh, I think Corbin Burns, if he can get himself right, he makes the biggest difference. I mean, okay, fair answer. I mean, I know Shaw plays every day, but I would say Corbin Burns. It has to be Jesus. Be... Yeah, can, uh, can, can Jesus go, um, you know. Seriously. Also, you know, or if he doesn't, can we just get Thames in there hey, like every day? You know, Because well, Thames is crushing. Dang, well, they're just trading off years, right? Yeah, that's fine. Now we know whose year it is. Put that guy in. Okay, we're done. Fixed it. That's all. Uh, also, Brian Gutekunst on his draft game plan going into Thursday. Oh, I am. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. Hold on. This one. There in we go. Three, two. He can't one. do two things at once. Yeah, I think there's different areas this year that are stronger than others. Just you know, like every year. Um, but yeah, I think again, like a, some of the things we've done. I think where our team sits today, I'm not super concerned about. Hey, we we absolutely have to do this. We absolutely have to do that. I think we can kind of sit back. Um, see where the draft board is strong, try to get there, and then um, just take the best players available. There you go. Yeah, there it is. Um, I, th- there was, I don't know how long the presser was in, in 20 minutes full. or so. Yeah. yeah. And earlier today, we we played much of it back um, in what we call sound bites. Uh, he gave us a bunch of sound bites and quotes and said nothing, which is a yep. perfect presser for a GM. And, uh, you know, he did it differently and better by all measure than Ted Thompson. Ted Thompson was uh, great in the draft for a lot of years, never great in uh, press conferences. Um, Brian Gutekunst is good in the press conference, does what you're supposed to do, gives you something but doesn't give you anything. And uh, now he just will see how he measures up Thursday, Friday, Saturday because uh, the Packers have 10 selections. Yeah, I actually thought of that while listening to his presser I'm like boy Ted Thompson was so rough I think Gutekunst is going out of his way and he's talked with Mark Murphy about going out of his way at least the first year or two to be real good with the media and I think he makes a point of doing that part of it he's got a different personality but part of it too I think is he's making that effort obvious uh this is more up Dr. Jay's alley okay oh, we um, got some for Jay mine a little bit too and now you are totally off script at this point so I have no idea where you are well, you don't have to worry about okay, it good. at this I just, point. I was a little worried that maybe I needed to play. All right. I'm always a, worried. A number of NHL players in favor of changing the current playoff format. It currently puts each division's top three teams in a wild card into a bracket without any reseeding. And quite frankly, a lot of playoff or a lot of NHL players saying, this is dumb. 48% said we got to change the current format and go back to the one through eight seeding at each conference. I mean... They're a thousand percent correct. I don't know. There's no other opinion to have here. I mean, it doesn't make any sense that we're having matchups that should be in the Eastern Conference Finals or Western Conference Finals. We're having them in the first round or the second round. It's dumb. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's like, hey, you know well, what? A hey, lot of good players job, Gary Bettman. You you, you and, fixed hockey with this you, change. You, you nailed it. You play a big enough schedule that you don't have to worry about. Uh, you know, in the NFL, I think. Division winners should be rewarded, but I wouldn't mind, you know, I mean, the NFL does reseed. Depending on who it survives and advances, you don't know who you play until you play them. Uh, the NHL doesn't do this part right. They don't do a lot of things right, but you are correct. The, 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 game, the game is probably, I mean, you can make the argument you're more of a hockey guy. You can probably make the argument that the game is better than its competition, you know, than the NBA and, and Major League playoff game. Uh, in but, terms of, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, a, like an overtime game. And yeah, I'm with you. The oh. awesomeness of it. Uh, but the game itself, away from the ice, 
has been mismanaged for years, starting with its TV contracts uh, that, that Bettman walked away from uh, ESPN at the worst possible time ever. They did. Um, no, you know, you're right. I mean, honestly, I don't. Bettman's one of those guys that it's just. I know everybody boos the commissioner of every sport. Oh, he whatever. gets booed worse than anyone else. But some it's of not them, even close. some of them are more deserved than others. And Bettman, man, it's just. I, I don't even get it. I, I don't even get what the guy's there for. Like, if he was making the owners tons and tons of money, then sure. But I'm sorry, are they making money hand over fist from the I remember, NHL? I remember in uh, high school and even in junior high school, National Hockey Night in America on ESPN in the 90s. That was huge. That was an awesome thing you would tune into all the time. And you just don't have that anymore because they're on NBCSN and these other stations that not everyone gets. And I think the league took an enormous hit when it went off ESPN. Big Preds game tonight in Dallas, down three games to two, and also Carolina trails three games to two against the Caps. Uh, by the way, uh, Rhino chimed back in. Apparently, he's unsuspended from the show. I don't know. I, he had um, a tweet earlier today that I might nominate. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he chimed in with some very uh, quote-unquote fishing numbers from Yelich home and away splits. Looked up Javi Baez's home and away splits. He bats 40 points better on the road last season. So, I mean, I guess he paid people to stand in the crowd and tell them what pitches were coming on the road. Those are really fishy numbers. I don't know. Get out of here. Enough. I didn't follow that I don't get well. it either, yeah. You, okay. Did you get that backwards? No, I know. Uh, well, I'm just saying his numbers were massively better on one of the locations. It's the same thing. It's just on the road. Well, the road's a lot of locations. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm with Pilch on this. I don't. I don't get where you're going. But maybe, maybe as you think about, about it during the break, you'll be able to better explain when we come back. Uh, and Rhino might have gotten a nomination for dumbest tweet of the day. I'll explain. And Joel, you can be all right. This is <laughs> I mean, the Mike Keller show. Everything I said was fine. I no, I don't think it was. It was you had it backwards. No, I. I know yeah, I no, did. No, I know you did. I'm saying that. Did both you know you did? Are, oh my god! It's just ridiculous both ways. Okay, so a couple of things to get to. Chad Ryder, NFL.com, will join us just after the bottom of the hour. We'll uh, dive back into the NFL draft and maybe look from an offensive standpoint what Green Bay might be able to take advantage of in the NFL draft and where they might look to do it. So before we went to break, uh, we're talking about, well, Joel confused everybody, but Rhino had sent in a tweet at, uh, from at Sports Talk Rhino, sending it in to at Heller Show. Or at Heller Sports at the Mike Heller Show. Everything okay? Over there? Uh, yeah, yeah, just excellent. Um, I'm very angry. Pointing over here. out the slash line differences for Kristen Yelich, which are um, fairly extraordinary early in the season. They are. But can I just tell you that? All right, so two things. Uh, Joel confused everybody, um, which is true. But Rhino, what are you doing? I mean, we're talking about 23 games. 14 of them have been at home. Nine have been on the road. Uh, the team didn't play all that well in the the two city stop in Los Angeles uh, against They're getting swept the in Angels, one where they got swept in one of the games, and, and the Dodgers. And by the way, if you're going to do this, then is this a brand new deal? Because a year ago, if you go home and away, and this is a full season home and away, Kristen Yelich had a better batting average on the road, three twenty eight, to at home three twenty four. Oh, he's cheating on the ago. road. He's cheating on the road. 
Um, his slash line was better across the board um, last year um, in the second half, certainly, than it was in the first, but only marginally better at home. He slugged better at home, but I don't know. Have you been to Miller Park? <laughs> you know, controlled weather conditions, um, great hitters background, and it's it's a park that yields a ton of home runs. So, yeah, he's going to produce more at home than on the road. There have been 23 games played this year. There are statistical anomalies. What are you doing? When you say awfully fishy, then you've opened yourself up for saying other people looking at you and saying, that just doesn't fly yet. Awfully fishy. And then you follow that up by saying um, that you're not co-signing on what the score said in Chicago. Those guys are idiots. But you just did kind of co-sign. You're the one that said awfully fishy. <laughs> awfully that's fishy. Not even, that's not even the nominee. But I don't know. For dumbest tweet of the day. By the way. The dumbest tweet of the day that I had nominated. Oh, yeah? Oh, okay. I'm, we'll get to that in a moment. I'm, I was going to say, I mean, so I was looking up some, like you during the break, I'm looking up some anomalies in uh you know, a home road splits. Last season, you remember Aaron Judge had a pretty good start to the year. I think we all remember that. All rise, here comes the judge. Um, let's see. In the first 90 games of the season, about 95 games, he batted 366 at home and 205 on the road. Jeez, that's a that's a 161-point difference. Got to be cheating. According to, That's awfully fishy. I don't know. That's weird. 17 home runs at home, 8 on the road. I don't know. Awfully fishy. Come on, son. Come on. All right, so, what's the, what's yeah, the um, All right, so we already nominated one, but can I get the nomination music again? Because I think Rhino deserves this. Uh, yeah, if I can find it again. Oh, uh, we hit it. We do hide things on, on the show sometimes. Where? So, uh, okay, we, oh, okay. Yep, I had an yep. earlier nominee, and now Rhino's wondering, what did he get nominated for? Don't be excited when your tweet gets chosen for this segment. It's not a compliment. You just destroyed Twitter. Just know that when you tweet at the Mike Heller Show, we reserve the right to pick your tweet as the dumbest tweet of the day. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. This is the segment that we go dumpster diving in the Mike Heller Show Twitterverse. Are you really that stupid? It's kind of sad that we have so much good material for this segment. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Here's Mike with your dumbest tweet of the day. So, at Sports Talk Rhino tweeted, and he didn't tweet at me either. I mean, this is just a tweet. All right, so there are two elements of the tweet that work. He tweeted this week's wish list. Bullet point, Bucks sweep the Pistons, hashtag fear the deer. He also, in the same tweet, had that the Packers trade up in the first round of the NFL draft to snag a franchise difference maker and finish that tweet by saying that's doable, right? Nothing wrong with that tweet. That's a good tweet. You cannot, however, do this in the same tweet. Right after your first point of buck sweep the pistons, hashtag fear the deer, you can't immediately follow that with Cubs take control of first place, fly the W. Or immediately follow that with we see something crazy in the Avengers endgame. This is a loaded tweet. You can't have your wish list Go back-to-back, buck sweep the Pistons, and the Cubs take control of the first place. You can't bookend the tweet with Bucks and Packers and interior have Cubs and Avengers endgame. Yeah. So, dumbest tweet of the day. You could have won for tweet of the day. 
had you just used your first bullet point and your last bullet point and then made a separate with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tweet to your Chicago Cub fan followers if you have one of them. And oh, that was come on. What that was? That was. I'm gonna take my run at Rhino. (laughs) You can't. You can't put the fly the W in the same tweet as the Bucks sweeping the Pistons as a wish list. You have to separate those out. They play to different audiences. Okay, so I I agree in in some regards, but I'm okay with the end game thing being in there. That that doesn't well, hurt anybody. Of course anybody. you are. Yeah, I mean that doesn't hurt anybody. That's fine. Cubs thing, obviously. I mean, like, come on, come on. I mean, I know you're a Cubs fan, but come on, come on, come on, come on. What are we doing here? I get that, but what? the end game thing's all good. You know, I just gotta stand up for my fellow nerds. He's a gamer. Yeah, f- yeah. You were gaming when I walked in today. Was I? Yes. I can't game in studio. You'd realize well, that, right? Well, hopefully. <laughs> powers that be aren't i probably shouldn't have said that but uh, i you was were. not gaming I, okay, I, there was a stream up. Oh, yeah, right. there was a stream up. well yeah. somebody was gaming <laughs> there was a stream up. um but that's my, my my point is for rhino that the independent tweets there's no issue the independent tweets there is no issue you just have a problem that with he the grouping. combined that he grouped in one tweet a favorable bucks and packers tweet with a favor favorable cubs tweet it just doesn't fly that way. Ah, boy. Yeah. You can't do that. Uh, that, that, mean, that. That breaks Twitter rules. There, there are rules, <laughs> bylaws, and just straight-out laws in Twitter that you violated those. There's Wait, there's bylaws of Twitter that talk? Of like, course there are. Oh, this is... Listen, baseball has unwritten rules. Twitter has both written and unwritten rules. That, that violates an unwritten rule, absolutely. Well, you know my view on unwritten rules, so... Apparently, I have to be, you know, by the transitive property. I have to be totally okay with everything you tweeted. By the what? Transitive property of math. Should look it up sometime. I really don't think so. Huh? I mean, I've heard of it, but I couldn't start the process of explaining it. I mean, I'm a doctor, so my, my math knowledge no. is pretty good. No. No. <laughs> by the way, uh, Mark, also, stupidest tweet I heard all day. Yeah? <laughs> okay. So I guess I got a co Rhino, you're you're even getting uh you're getting support outside of the show for oh, dumbest boy. tweet of the day, although Mark called it stupidest tweet he heard all day. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Um all right. Chad Ryder, NFL.com. I wanna visit with Chad. What is it that the Packers could be looking for that boosts what they do on offense? We'll touch on different segments as we go through the week. Chad Ryder is gonna join us. Four times this week. We'll talk about offense and the Packers and the draft next with Chad Ryder, NFL.com on the Mike Heller Show. So we're going to do this a few times this week. We are going to uh, increase the workload of Chad Ryder as though he's not busy enough. He's nice enough to uh, spend some extra days with us. So he's going to join us four times this week. 
uh, every day, but tomorrow he'll be on the road tomorrow on his way down to Nashville. Chad Ryder, NFL.com. He was in studio with us on Friday. Uh, thinking of just uh, giving him the show, just let you host the show, Chad, and, and you can have me as a guest. What do you think? Well, uh, I think for this <laughs> week, a bunch of appearances are good, but, you know, I think the people would probably, um, you know, bring out uh, pitchforks and sure. and stuff if you were taken off the air, yeah. so I don't oh, really want to do that. that. But not, th- not this week. This week, we need you and, and thrilled that you're going to spend a little extra time with us, so thank you for that. and. Uh, for last Friday as well. So let me ask you this. I, I view Green Bay in in this realm. Obviously, they have 10 total selections, two in the first, one in the second, one in the third, two in the fourth. So six of the first 118 picks. So I want to I view it a little bit differently. Let's today talk about offensive help. And let me, uh, the the big guys aren't listening, hopefully. Let me take it away from the offensive line and non-quarterbacks. There aren't many that you have going in the first round that aren't quarterbacks and offensive linemen that are actually offensive players, which is, that's a draft anomaly, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more about the talent on defense than it really is about um, the talent on offense. But, you know, at one level, some of the bigger receivers in this draft don't run particularly well. Uh, That's why DK Metcalf from Old Miss, um, and A.J. Brown from Ole Miss, why those are the two biggest guys because they, they run very well. Um, some of the other guys that are really good receivers, Kelvin Harmon from uh, North Carolina State, uh, you know, I mean, some some of the larger guys, Nikhil Harry from Arizona State. And, and it wouldn't be shocking to me if one or two of those guys pushed into the first round. Marquise Brown from Oklahoma is another guy that's really an outstanding player. But um, I've heard from multiple people that, you know, he's very slight, and he had an injury, you know, when he was at Oklahoma. He had some drops, uh, you know, later in the year, too. And and so I think he could turn out to be, like, a fantastic – Deshaun Jackson was a second-round pick coming out uh, of school. He was 169 pounds. They weren't sure if he could hold up. Maybe the career he's had will push him back up into the first round. That wouldn't be shocking. So maybe a couple of these receivers get in there. But if they don't, there's going to be a huge run on them in the second round, and there's going to be some good finds. So if Green Bay is seeking help offensively, um, we talked about this a little bit on Friday, so I'm going to take it out of the non-skilled position. You have them at 12, at least you did the last we talked, taking Jonah Williams, the offensive tackle, um, with the 12th overall selection. And although not sexy in that pick, that's where you think they could lean um, with their first overall selection. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, as we talked about on Friday, you saw a guy, like the Colts were really struggling as an offense, even with Andrew Luck back uh, two years ago. And then they took Quentin William, uh, Quentin Nelson, excuse me, a guard at number six overall, which some people, if you hadn't watched him much, you're like, wait a minute, that's really high for a guard. Well, he's going to be an outstanding all-pro guard. Uh, wouldn't shock me if he was a Hall of Fame guard, honestly. So, and and bringing a second round pick, Braden Smith from Auburn, their first, you know, two of their first couple of p- a few picks were offensive linemen, and they really shored up that unit and really they're moving forward. So, I think Green Bay needs to do that too. They're one of the few teams that hasn't used a premium pick, uh, you know, at the at, on the offensive line since Brian Bulaga, really. Um, you know, in the first round a few years ago. So, and, and Barraga won't be around very long. I mean, even if he stays healthy this year, he's not likely to come back as a free agent given his injury history. So, 
I think they need to invest there if they want their offense to um, continue to shine. Talking with Chad Ryder, NFL.com, our draft expert, and we're thrilled to have him on the show again. We'll talk uh, throughout the week. In in your mock draft that we talked about at length on Friday, of the first 10 picks, you have uh, four quarterbacks and a tight end. All the others are defensive players. TJ Hawkinson is the tight end that goes at 10. If Green Bay were to draft an offensive player at 12, and as I said, you just have them taking Jonah Williams, is there, could Hawkinson entice them to move, or if they were going to move up, would they have to be doing it for a defensive player? Um, I wouldn't think they would move up for Hawkinson because there is value at that position later in the draft, and they have the second first round pick as well, where they should be able to get somebody. Hawkinson's a fine player. If he falls to them at 12 and they select him, I, I wouldn't blame him a little bit because he's a very good two-way um, player. He, he's the best catch, the best catch, the best catcher in the draft. So what, call him the receiver, call him the tight end, whatever. He's, he's an outstanding catcher of the ball and a good blocker. So you're really getting a two-way value for a guy that high. That I, I wouldn't anticipate them moving up to get him, giving up a premium pick to, to get him. I, I don't see that happening. The, the first running back you have being selected is Josh Jacobs, the Alabama running back. You have him going 25th. Is he enticing enough if he's available near that point for Green Bay to make a different move and get up to get him, or do they not value that that position, his skills enough to do it? Oh, I think they would absolutely um, value him. Whether Lafleur wants to part with picks and wants to part with picks in order to get him, that's a little more difficult. Um, it's certainly possible. Oakland, who uh, is going to pick ahead of the Eagles, you know, they be, might be willing to move down and, and get more picks. They're really rebuilding their roster right now, so. Um, if, if the Packers wanted to give up a third or fourth round pick to move up a few squats to get Jacobs, maybe. But again, running back is one of those positions where you can really find guys later in the draft, so I wouldn't anticipate that. Um, that being said, a lot of people are still putting Jacobs up you know, in the upper echelon, and even the fantastic back, the, the slower 40 time maybe has taken him out of the top 15. But I won't be shocked if a team takes him a little earlier um, because he, he's just a powerful runner, uh, and and I would want to try to tackle the dude. I'll just put it that way. All right, so um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer this question that came to me on Twitter. I'm gonna defer it to you. I've said I'm not a fan of Green Bay drafting a quarterback with uh, their first or second round choices in this year's draft. But Dan tweeted me and, and asked if the Packers traded for Josh Rosen. Would I feel the same way? I, I, they're that's not in play, is it? I can't imagine that it is uh, because Josh Rosen is a guy. He's a good quarterback. Is he going to be a, a great backup quarterback in terms of how he handles that situation? I, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to see that. Um, Rosen and Rodgers in the same quarterback room, um, I, I don't know that that's two strong personalities. I don't know that that would really work. Uh, no, I, I believe that they should take a quarterback at some point in this draft. I have them taking Gardner Minshew um, from Washington State in like the fourth round. And, and I think that would be a really good thing. You get a guy who's a team player uh, who can throw the ball, who's going to be a good quarterback. I mean, not, not an elite quarterback necessarily, but he's going to be a good, solid NFL quarterback for a long time. So that would be a guy that I would rather see them pick than another guy. The difference, you know, people point to the Favre 
same where they took Rodgers. That was a different situation. Chris Farr was like hemming and hawing about retirement for years before they made that pick. And Rodgers is not. I mean, he's in for another three or four years. So they don't need to make that pick in the first round this year. Um, you should. I think you should always try to find quarterbacks later in the draft because there's good value there maybe. But, yeah, that, that doesn't work for me this year. If if the uh, Green Bay Packers stay where they are on the board at number thirty, you have them taking Iowa tight end Noah Fant, the second of the two tight ends from Iowa to go in the first round. If they did that, what do they get, and what would fans, maybe those who didn't watch the Big Ten, uh, what do they get in Noah Fant? Well, they get a Jermichael Finley type receiver tight end who's going to be real dangerous, uh, running down the seam. He's going to, I mean. Safety, uh, versatile safeties are very important in the league now because they are lined up against guys like Fant all the time. So if you can find a linebacker or safety to really isolate against Fant, especially with LaFleur liking the, the multiple tight end sets, uh, you can take advantage of because he can't cover everybody. And, and so you're going to see him get some matchup issues, take him downfield and really stretch a defense as much as, you know, a great offense, uh, outside receiver would. In fact, you could, you could line Fant out as an offensive, um, you know, as a receiver. You saw the Patriots have to do that with Gronkowski this last playoff season because they just didn't have any options out there. So they stuck Gronk out there, and he used a physical mismatch. Fant's not that physical, but he's a similar size and speed mismatch. So you could really – he's kind of a chess piece that you can use, and, and uh, I think LeFleur would like having him on board. Could he learn from Jimmy Graham? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if he's you know a smart kid, he'll learn from him and and Mercedes Lewis. Frankly, um, who wasn't the world's greatest blocker coming out of UCLA, but now that's really what he's known for. So if Fant is really um, paying attention, gets stronger, and he could learn from both those guys. All right, Jed. I, I had a quick question about a different position group here. I want to go defensive just for a minute here. Um, I was talking to Mike during the break about Ed Oliver and how it seems like. You know, he may be kind of the next big can't miss guy on the defensive line in the NFL. You have him going number seven overall to Jacksonville. Do you think he's a guy that would be worth the Packers going up for in a trade, even though they maybe aren't the weakest at that position group? Yeah, I think I think that would be a trade that I'd be okay with because he is a fantastic player. He's a lot like Mike Daniels. Um and Mike Daniels is a free agent after next year. So I don't know if Green Bay, what the, how they feel about Daniels. So if they decide that they're not going to sign him and they bring Oliver in, then they won't skip a beat over the next couple of years. Having him and Daniels on the field at the same time with Kenny Clark in the middle, that's you know that's pretty good. With those you know, the Smith brothers, they're not brothers, but that's what I'm going to call them. Uh, on the outside, outside linebacker, uh, you know that's a really good defense. So I wouldn't blame them for for doing that. He he's honestly, I mean, with Nick Bosa, Quinn Williams. Josh Allen, Ed Oliver. I mean, one of those guys is going to fall down if if teams go up and get the quarterbacks uh, like they usually do. If they do that, one of those guys is going to fall into a spot where Green Bay could go up and get them. So that would be the trade, either for Josh Allen or Ed Oliver. One of those guys that that fall that would be a worthwhile move. Um, all right, so we're going to visit again on Wednesday. We appreciate this today. Safe travels. Now, one of my favorite stops. On the drive is Effingham, Illinois. Uh-huh. Because yeah, I've always familiar. wondered, you know, um, I wonder how they got their name. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. Stop in, uh, stop in Effingham. And when you do, you know. 
I'll say, you know what? My teller says Effingham U. Where is it? It's got to be here somewhere. Fantastic. Chad, we appreciate it. We'll visit on Wednesday. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Chad Ryder, NFL.com. I I drive it with my daughter. Elizabeth lives in Nashville, so I've driven it. And every time I, I try to take a picture of the sign when I'm driving by, hey, Biz. Going by Effingham. It's a weird name. I, I've never driven past it, so I wouldn't know. E-F-F-I-N-G-H-A-M. Okay. Effingham, Illinois. This is the Mike Heller Show. This is the Mike Heller Show. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Heller Show. Now, alongside Dr. J, here's Mike Heller. So we move into the fourth quarter, the final hour of the program on this Monday. Uh, show correspondent Rhino tweeted in at Mike Heller Show, Effingham, Illinois was known as Broughton until 1859 when it was renamed after General E. Effingham. So it wasn't some kids in the family or a family reunion or the church picnic and screaming, we're not having effing ham again. <laughs> yeah, that's who I, I always thought. I always thought that that was more likely the naming right. That was more city. likely. You thought that was more likely <laughs> this scenario. What, that's what I wanted it to be. Uh, instead, apparently, Effingham, uh, Illinois, was that... known as Broughton, Illinois, until 1859 when it was renamed after General E. Effingham. That comes from show correspondent Rhino Alberts. Now I need to look up General E. Effingham. I want to know what the E stands for. Is that your favorite town that you drive by? Like, I feel like everybody, I have one, but that is, mine's not Effingham, but I have a different town that every time I drive by, I kind of snicker at a little bit. Yeah, Effingham, is that for me? Yeah. You yeah. have one? Uh, yes. Mine is just Freedom, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Because I always like seeing the sign that says, like, Freedom, five miles. And you're like, oh, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Let's go. Get it? Freedom, the concept, not the yeah. place. No, no, I get it. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, I just wanted no. to make sure. No, it it seemed like it was kind of going over everybody's no, head. No, 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 no. When you have to explain it, understand that that was not. I always think like when we're driving, if we brown bagged it and you're driving, that um, then we can have a ham sandwich in five miles. Effingham, five miles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm looking up. What's the general's name again? General. No, his name actually, that's his first name. General is his first that's name? His first name. Oh, so he was he just was a, a, he was he an was, iron worker. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait are, are you serious? He was a surveyor. No, you're, you're joking. Right? No, he was a surveyor. No way. Yes. His name was General? That was his General E. Effingham. What? So it's, it's, land it's not, surveyor. That's not his title. No. General. What? His name. That's insane. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's what that's it like, says. That's like naming your kid like Colonel or Lieutenant or something. <laughs> what are we doing here? Uh, correspondent yes. Rhino also says his favorite is Paw Paw, Illinois. P-A-W-P-A. That's a good one. I think, I wonder what every, yeah, we should tweet into the show at the Mike Keller show. Yeah, well, we want to know your random town names. Throughout the five o'clock hour of the program. Pilch, do you have one? You've got to have one in Ohio somewhere. They're probably, I can think of one in Pennsylvania. Well, what I don't is want it? To, I don't you know. If, might not be able to oh, say I don't it. know if I want to say it. <laughs> okay, well then don't. You should just write on a piece just of paper up, so I can. I'll learn. do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, we continue on. Welcome into the five o'clock hour of the show. My name is Mike. Uh, to my left, to your right, is Joel. 
Doctor. 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 Really doctor. doctor. And doctor. Well, not really. We miss anyone? He's not really a doctor. See, Helen, what you don't understand is that I'm not actually a doctor, but my first name is actually Doctor. Oh, now if that were true, which it isn't. Um, what? And, and by the way, uh, Madison people certainly know this. There's a, I think he's in an orthopedics. Uh, there's a Doctor Doctor here. Doctor Doctor. Yeah. Give me the news. Yeah, <laughs> right. you know what my my pediatrician when I was like a, a baby was named Doctor Sorry. I always thought that was a funny. That's doctor not name. a good name for. A I always doctor. thought that was a funny doctor. It's like half of the name. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bob Walker or less striker for a pitcher. <laughs> I like Grant Ball for. <laughs> That's, That's my personal favorite pitcher name. By the way, Low and Outside tweeted in, uh, Sioux Falls, always felt bad for Sue. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Please <laughs> tweet kinda, in. That kind of uh, covers two bases there, Low and Outside. It's a dad joke I was gonna say, and a city concept. Send that into the double team on Friday while yeah. you're at it. That's awesome. All right, I so, want all these crazy towns. Uh, we are in studio and uh, happy that you're along for the ride with us. To my right is Mike Pilch. He's here with What's Going On. Here's What's Trending. Trending Sports News. All right, the Brewers open up a series in St. Louis tonight. Junior Guerra placed on the bereavement list. He'll have to miss at least three games, so he is out for this series. Donnie Hart, option to AAA San Antonio. Adrian Hauser called up. He'll start tonight. Jake Petrushka has been recalled from there as well. That's the latest on the crew. Yeah, the it'd be interesting to watch how Adrian Hauser performs in his first major league start. So um, I, I always think, you know, sometimes you, you catch something. He's been very good. At the minor league level, he's had uh, three, I think, uh, pretty darn good starts uh, for San Antonio so far this year. So to give him the ball against St. Louis tonight, I think, will be interesting to see how that plays. By the way, seeing a tweet here from one Adam McCalvey. Mm. McCalvey? 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 McCalvey. McCalvey. Um, Brewers got another great report on Jimmy Nelson's latest start in Arizona. Assuming he bounces back as expected, next stop is an affiliate. Yeah, so keep an eye Woo-hoo! on the, keep an eye on the Timber Rattlers, and maybe he'll be making. Oh. Uh, I think they'll want to keep the weather uh, as a non-factor if they can. Uh, so but, come to Wisconsin in spring. Yeah, so maybe that wouldn't be, but we'll see. Because otherwise, you, you have I think Huntsville is is uh, Huntsville or Biloxi uh, is the double I lose A track, honestly. And then uh, San Antonio, obviously now Triple A, but I don't know if they'll. Where they'll want to go there, but yeah, that's they rarely that's ever pitch rehab games on the road too. They almost always pitch when they're at home. Never thought about that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, another uh, city um, if from Nick. His favorite is Gratiot. Oh boy, <laughs> Gratiot. Yeah, it's uh, south and west. You go to it's a great like if you're on a motorcycle going through that area is fantastic. What state is that? Uh, in Wisconsin. Oh, it's Wisconsin. G R A T I O T. Okay. Huh. <laughs> like scratch it, but it's crash it or something. Something like that. All right. That's All a good right. that's a good one. I'll add uh, it to the list. Jason said as long as I'm wordplay, Jason said there's a heart surgeon in Madison named Doctor Love. Hmm. That's awesome. He's a, a heart, heart doctor. That's, that's fantastic. So great. Sorry, I'm not hijacking your segment. Doesn't uh, Jimmy 
Kimmel have like an entire segment of like people who are named badly for their profession? He's done a, he's done this before. <laughs> no, be Sounds fun. like something yeah. he does. Christian Yelich, by the way, 12 for 24 with eight homers, 19 RBIs, and seven games against the Cardinals this year. All 13 of his major league leading home runs have come at Miller Park, and all but two of his 31 RBIs have come at Miller Park. He's clearly cheating. I think that's out of the gate. Why right? feed the beast? Well, it's very clear in Chicago radio that he's cheating, right? Mm. Well, they have brought it up. They're they're talking about it. Uh, it they're and what did Rhino said earlier? What did he say? He said something was fishy. A little fishy. Not cheating, but fishy. Oh, that's not calling somebody out, is it? Good morning, ladies. Now we're getting a bunch of the cities that we can't actually take to the air. Yeah, yeah. yeah I actually I was, just saw one yeah. that definitely made me crack right. up. Right. Uh, hey, we can do the Missouri one. Where are we going here? Okay, uh, you're next. Okay. Russell Westbrook and Paul George. This is them with their sort of answers after oh, game. Three. Hold on, I'm trying uh, to find. Here we go. Please. Well, hold, please. You kind of jump up and down. Okay, here we go. Barry Trammell with the Oklahoma and Russell. The first half, both teams struggled offensively as a sort of a slug of a game. Both teams got going in the second half. What happened that sort of reversed the reversed the uh, the tone of this game? Next question. Yeah, Russ. The uh, the uh, fourth quarter, they you got a fifteen point lead. They catch up. What happened in the last six, seven, eight minutes that reversed the momentum and let you guys uh, burst back away? And then their media. Yeah, they keep going and going. There. So in the first one, you can hear uh, Paul George say, "You want me to tell him?" Yeah, because it was prearranged that they weren't going to answer that reporter's question. They also, um, you also period. might have heard me laugh because Pilt showed me the town name, which I think you should be able to say. You might be able to, but mm, I was but keeping one it in on doubt. the down low. Yeah, one in doubt, leave it out. Okay. Uh, by the way, Steve Kerr says this dynamic of these one-word answers, the play of Westbrook and George in these post games, is really, really bad for the league. In agreed, his agreed. He said, and it doesn't matter what city it's in. Yes, this is an Adam Silver issue. This is a league issue. These are two of your preeminent stars in the game today, and they're for whatever their reason is. I don't. The backstory doesn't matter to me. Matters to them, but it doesn't matter to me. They're coming off looking like jerks, and it's bad for the league. Now, I would add this: Greg Popovich has done that on a somewhat regular, sporadic basis throughout his NBA career, and the league hasn't done anything there. So you, you know. If you're Adam Silver, you can't take after the players because if the players go back and say, "Wait, is, Popovich is okay doing this," well, so, then then make a make a mandate saying, "Moving forward, coaches, players, this is your this is the yes, expectation." Please now. do it. Steve Kerr said uh, it's dangerous for the league, especially with the social dynamic and the connection to fans this league has more than any other. We cannot let that go. Remember, Kerr used to be a media member mm-hmm. before he became a coach, so he kind of gets that side of it as well because he's been there before. NBA tonight, Bucks will try to close out the Pistons in four straight. Also, Houston looking to sweep Utah in four straight. The Boston Celtics indeed awaiting the Bucks in round two. Yeah, I have an idea on that. Uh, I, I did put out this Twitter poll question, and uh, 50% of the voters think that the most challenging series for the Bucks on the road to the NBA Finals is not in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's in the Eastern Conference Semifinals. It's the Celtics. They're next. Let's get their win in a sweep tonight so they're equally rested. And then that series would likely begin Saturday, Sunday at the latest. Can't wait. Bart Scott. Can't wait. 
Okay, also, Wonderlick scores for the NFL draft quarterbacks are leaked. Ryan Finley at the highest at 43. The highest you can get to 50, by the way, which I believe Ryan Fitzpatrick got. He did. He got a 50. That's the thing that always comes up when Ryan. Yes. Fitz- hey, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, did you know he got a 50 on his Wonderlick score? Like, did you know Richard Sherman went to Stanford? Yeah, that's yes. so true. Kind of like the same thing. Uh, oh, God. Uh, quarterbacks of note, Daniel Jones at 37, Trace McSorley at 31, Will Greer a 30, Drew Locke at 26, Dwayne Haskins at 25, Kyler Murray a 20. They said once a quarterback gets to the 25 or better threshold, their additional smartness, smartness has little to no effect on success on the field. I also wonder how hard a lot of these guys try sometimes. I mean, that's probably fair, but like a guy like Kyler Murray, I mean, like, would you really want to just be like, okay, I'm just going to blow it off here? Because I feel like if you blow it off, you have a score of like a nine. I mean, a 20 kind of sounds like I tried to some degree. Could be. Yeah. Could be. I think there have been quarterbacks that scored uh, very low on the Wonderlick test that uh, ended up being very good yes. on the field and yes. uh, vice versa. Some really smart guys. Weren't very good. I'll say Ryan Fitzpatrick got a fifty, so I guess he's supposed to be the goat, right? But I want to really see. How I want to see how they play. Ray Lewis got like a three or a five or something, and Ray Lewis was a pretty good football player. And see, I don't get that. Like, and if he was you a very football off, smart football player. Here's what too. I understand about that: like, if you want to blow it off, then just don't do it. That's like, what's the what point of doing. showing up and doing getting a four? They do like the A A B C A A B C A A B C method all the way through. Or it's something. just so dumb. Like, what's the just don't do it. I don't know. I just I don't know. Uh, the Bills signed running back TJ Yeldon to a two year deal. Tigers winning Masters putt already with seven and a half million more views than Patrick's reads from a year ago. So it took just one week for Tiger to have seven and a half million views more than Patrick Reed's, who was around for an entire year. Not you really know, surprising. So, talked about this earlier, and at the time, I was like, "Wow, I'm kind of surprised that it's actually only 7.4 million." But then I did, you know, I was doing some math, and if it's 7.4 million every every week, spread out over 52 weeks or whatever, talking about a video that a year from now will probably have a hundred million more views in a year than the Patrick Reed mm-hmm. one, and that pretty much just describes Tiger Woods versus anybody else in the sport. My guess is that its viewership will um, begin to diminish first You think? Week. Yeah. yeah. You think it might but, peak this yeah, week? Yeah, it might have peaked. Uh, possibly might have peaked. Still also, gets to 50, I'm guessing. Also, Peyton Manning will not join Monday Night Football to replace Jayden, Jason Witten. He said no thanks. Instead, he has opted to host ESPN's new five-part 30-episode series, Peyton's Places, which debuts on ESPN Plus in July. I don't even know what five part thirty episode means. Maybe it's five seasons, thirty episodes, so maybe it'd be six years. Maybe it's something like that. each part is six episodes. Mm, yeah, could be know. that too. Let's yeah, figure like, that out. Uh, okay, you know, okay. I'm still, I'm still hopeful. I don't know where the if there's if there's a process still underway, but I thought Joe Thomas would have been a good fit there, and still think he would be. I think he'd be a good fit anywhere, media wise. Yeah, like, yeah, I just yeah. really, I think the guys. Are, a talent. I, I don't. I don't understand. I, I, it does seem like that Monday night job has kind of turned into the UCLA coaching job of media. Well, jobs. Nobody seems to really want it. Quite like, frankly, it's like Gruden was so big and popular, quote unquote. There, you know, whether you liked him or not, I think most people kind of didn't towards the end. But it just kind of seems like that's what people were expecting for so long, and then suddenly Witten comes in and is just terrible. And now it's kind of like, I don't. I mean, I guess on one regard, you look at it and you say it couldn't be any worse than Witten, but on the other hand. Witten got absolutely mercilessly destroyed in social media and everything. So if you're a former player of any acclaim, why would you have even risk kind of putting that up on your legacy? I mean, I don't know, right? It's I don't know. I don't know. They, well, they might have some trouble filling that for a while. Uh, follow up to your previous uh, concept of uh, 
Jimmy Nelson, the Adam McKelvey, is updated with an, another tweet that Nelson's uh-huh. likely destination is AAA San Antonio. There we go. Brewers will make a call later this week. Ken Rosenthal just put this out. Why do these things? So John Otis is always um, always thinks it's funny when in draft analysis when they say somebody's really good in space, like <laughs> he's a really good tackler in space, yeah, in open space, right? Well, John always thinks of outer space and like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that makes sense. <laughs> so Ken Rosenthal just tweeted this out that Red Sox right-hander Nathan Eovaldi will undergo surgery tomorrow to remove loose bodies in his elbow. Yeah, dude, that's how, a good one. How big is the dude's elbow? Yeah. <laughs> that is a good, I love that term. That's a good one. John's way, probably to, thinking he's got loose bodies yeah, in his elbow I was right about now. to pick him wow. up in fantasy, so I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Could work me. And this just sounds like kind of a crappy meal. A pizza restaurant in Springtown, Texas, had to close this weekend after it was discovered employees had put laxatives on at least one piece of pie. Get a crappy meal. See what I did there? Authorities said three uh, yeah, employees yeah, huh? admitted putting the laxative on at least one pizza and ended up being eaten unwittingly by a coworker. The employee who ate the prank pizza got sick. No. The people who made the pizza denied putting laxatives on any pizzas purchased by the public. Authorities are investigating. The pizza shabria is closed. No word on if criminal charges will be filed. Hmm. I have mm, lots of jokes that I want to yeah, make. Yeah, I can't. It's like the, the name of the town I gave you. Can you make it or not? By the way, we've gotten a lot of suggestions that I... Yeah, you're right. No, we a just lot can't that we say. simply can't go to. So. <laughs> They're great. They're all great, but yeah. I, we can't do it. I'm sorry, all people. Right. Just check in with their Twitter feeds and you might potentially yeah. see them. Yeah, I'm done, man. All I'm right. really done. Good work by you. Later. Thank you. Mike Pilch's work here is done. Uh, we continue, and we'll talk a little bit more about what's going on with the Brewers playing in St. Louis tonight. little news on the Jimmy Nelson front. We'll share that with you uh, and update our Twitter poll question. And we inch closer to the Bucks and Pistons, their game four tonight. Bucks Woo! can sweep them out of the series. Please. We'll do that in a bit. Stick around. This is the Mike Heller Show. Game four going on tonight for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks and the Detroit Pistons. Seven o'clock Central Time game is televised on TNT. Bucks have a chance to sweep out Detroit. The nightcap tonight: Houston up three games to nothing against Utah. Have a chance to sweep out the Jazz. So the first round of the NBA playoffs has been very, very uneventful, nearly across the board. San Antonio and Denver. They're stuck up in a pretty good series right now or embroiled in a pretty good series. I don't know if it's a great series, but it's it's been competitive. Everything else is um, essentially non-competitive. It will change in round two. Bucks and Celtics on tap in round, true, uh, round two. Toronto is uh, set up for Philadelphia in round two. In the West, Houston and Golden State set up in round two. It is There's some fun to be had in the second round, which in most cases won't begin until more than a week from now. Uh, but where the Bucks and Pistons are concerned, if Milwaukee wins tonight in Detroit, the Bucks and Celtics, rather, could get started as early as Saturday or Sunday. So 
keep that in mind as uh, you begin to make some plans. We'll find out soon, uh, hopefully uh, as early as late tonight. So we've got that going on, and I did put out this uh, Twitter poll question. And this brings me back to the conversation we've had since about the early weeks of February. What would be the most challenging series for the Bucks on the road to the NBA Finals? Celtics, Raptors, 76ers. 500 of you weighing in so far. Celtics easily, 51%. Now, if I'd have posed the same question a month ago, nobody was voting for Boston because it was a dumpster fire. But that's the thing about the NBA. The regular season ultimately gets to a certain level, and it doesn't matter. Especially for teams that have been there, done that, it kind of doesn't matter. Now, if you're just simply better than everybody else, then it just shows up on the court. My guess is, I could be wrong on this, but I, my guess is the Bucks won't win 61 times next year. I, mean, there, there I think might, that's fair to say. There might be a little fall off in, yeah. in how they treat the regular season because the goal changes. Boston's been there. Their goal was not to win 60 games. It kind of became a goal for this Bucks team. Boston's goal began in their playoff series against Indiana. And the Bucks did too. But they treated the regular season a little bit differently. And Boston's got more diverse, weird, out-there personalities at play. So, and, and by that, I'm talking about Kyrie Irving. You know, Kyrie is, to me, the best finisher. And, and a lot of people that know the game, certainly a thousand miles more than I do, Kyrie Irving's the best finisher in the game. He is a difference maker in the series with Milwaukee that worries me. And I get that Marcus Smart is not there, but Jason Tatum is really good. Al Horford is really good. Hayward's playing really good. Kyrie is a finisher. There's no bad shot for Kyrie. If a shot clock is winding down and Kyrie gets the ball in his hands, he's going to get up for what for Kyrie is a good look. Somehow, something good will happen for him and for the Celtics. The, the series, I'm not picking Boston, but this series makes me more nervous then a matchup with Toronto or Philadelphia. How deep do you think this series goes? Six games? Seven games? Yeah, I think um, I, I think it'd have to be six. It, it might be seven, but there's the advantage. Milwaukee does have an advantage. Well, they did lose a game seven against Boston a year ago, but it was in Boston. Let's say, okay, so I saw on a, on a national program that I won't give its name because why give them credit, um, where they were saying that the whole series comes down to whether or not Boston can win a road game in Milwaukee. Now, I would say... They can't. Well, I mean, I don't think it's impossible. I'm sorry if I surf hasn't earned the distinction of being an impossible place to go play yet. Maybe over time. I think you would probably agree with that notion, right? Yeah, I mean, I was I was there Wednesday. It's not a it's not a competitive series, but it didn't feel. Um, well, but do you think Boston can win a series yeah, or a game? Boston in, can win a game okay. in Milwaukee. Milwaukee can win a game in Boston. I was just going to ask. I mean, like, do you think it's the other way around? It's it's a little bit more intensive in Boston. That we know what that crowd does. We know what it's capable of. Um, I would still tend to think that this year's Bucks, I think last year's Bucks team couldn't, and that's eventually what prevailed. But this year's Bucks team, I think they could. Um, I guess so. It's like you know, if we're going to pose that question from a national media standpoint, then you know, got to kind of think about the reverse of that one as well. Yeah, I think the, there's going to be some argument, and there was during the season, and certainly on the national front, that the Bucks haven't done this before. Brooke Lopez has been through some wars. Um, I, I think that. Giannis has 
been here, and I said this a year ago when they played in the playoff series, that it could be the moment that Giannis begins to take that next step. Because let's can we be fair about Giannis Adetokounmpo? I think he's the I, I think he's the MVP. I mean, he would get my vote. I think he'll win the MVP. We're I think so too. Find out for a while. However, now when we talk about one of the great players in the game, what differentiates the great players? Lifting their team to a competitive series win over a rival or over another great. Yeah, being so, the guy in a series. Uh, LeBron got dogged early because he didn't. You know, there are some series that were deferring and not doing stuff. I mean, it's a yeah, his last series in dent, Cleveland the first time. It's a dent on his greatness. Yep. Uh, James Harden, his finish last year in was that in the Western Conference Finals. His finish last year, yes, he he hit a wall, and he was close to rotten the last well, two games. When your usage rate is like 130%, but that, that, that can that, happen. That hurts his rep. Well, I mean, that, that works against and, him. And every other playoff. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Disaster that he's had in his career. Sure. Like when their team came back from like a 22 point deficit. Right, but if you get my point here, this is this yeah. this is a differentiating moment, a series of moments for Giannis not in round 1, but certainly in round 2. How does he play against Boston? You can certainly understand that Boston is going to devise something different. Got a pretty good head coach. Yes, they do. They're, they're going to treat this differently. And the, the value meter for Giannis is going to change in the next, if they play three more series. But if they only play one more series, that's going to be a hit on Giannis. If uh, they, if it, they beat Detroit not. and bow out against Boston, yeah. It's going to be a hit on Giannis. I was going to say, fair or not, it will be. Uh, you're correct. It's how, I think it's how you're viewed. You know, and, and the Boston thing. So if you look back to last year in the playoffs, so what did they do to counteract Giannis? They basically just packed the lane and made him pass. And he wanted to be more of a scorer, and it caused problems. They lost the series. They really shut him down interior wise. This year, I think he has taken from that, and, and he's become much better of a passer, and he has better options. That always helps as well. And if you get a guy like Brogdon back here in this series and your three-point shooting is doing well from guys like Lopez and Brogdon and whoever else, Bledsoe's having a good night, Chris Middleton, obviously, then he can be the playmaker, and that's not the option that Boston can go with, and they right. will have to then find something else. So you, from guys like Screaming A. Smith and all the other <laughs> network analysts, if the Bucks don't get by the next round or get to the NBA Finals, it won't be going. that the Bucks didn't get to the NBA Finals. Giannis Adetokounmpo is not the greatest player in the NBA. Not if they can't beat Boston. Not if he can't get by Toronto. You can't not be the best player can't. in the world if you right. can't get past the second round. That's that's exactly what it is, and it, it is. This guy's I, a bum. I've always made this argument. I don't know if they'll go that far. I, <laughs> I've always made this argument that I think it's patently unfair to attach rings to the greatness of a quarterback. But we do it at the same level in a different sport in the NBA. LeBron's judgment is trying to stack up with Michael. 
and he's not going to get there. Nope. It's certainly not in the efficiency level. Uh, being there, yes, but winning, and it's all on LeBron. That works against him. They don't even they don't even reference that when they when they won it when he was with Kyrie that it was Kyrie that won it. Yeah, it's a dagger shot at the end. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that was LeBron was pretty good. He was, <laughs> but I mean the the moment when it mattered was Kyrie. Had had Kyrie missed that, the onus would have been on LeBron. Why is LeBron deferring? You know, that that that's what is I think a lot it's of the times, one thing I worry about as you roll forward with the Bucks is that the view of Giannis is going to change or maintain or build based on playoff success or failure. Well, that's why I think this playoffs, just in general, overall with Giannis, will go a long way in determining how he's viewed in the in the long term. Like, let's say things go really well and they get to the finals. Even the way that the national media is going to look at Giannis is that this dude's this dude's it. Yeah, like, this is the next guy. He's carried them to the finals. He's carried them, and he is an ascending guy who is maybe the best player right now in the planet. That's how they're going to view him. If they lose to Boston in round two, the entire thing is the Colin Cowherd argument that we all made fun of. That's what it is. It's, oh, man, they just tried too hard in the regular season. They're regular season warriors. And that's and then they get to the playoffs, and they're flops. And that's who they are. And that'll be defining them for the entire next season as well. Yeah. Fair or foul, that's just how that's it'll work. It so, works. I mean, really, we're at this really cool pivotal moment here for Giannis. I hope it goes one direction. I think most of the people here listening probably hope it goes that direction as well because he has a real chance to, you know, at the moment he is one of the best players in the world, but he's not really viewed, I think, that from the regular average Joe fan who watches because they don't get to see Milwaukee very often. But he has a real opportunity here on a national stage to just be like, look, this is me. Here I am. I am the best or I am one of the best. And it could be a really profound impact on the rest of his career that's kind of crazy to think that, you know, this one playoff run has that opportunity, but it absolutely does. Updated uh, Brewers news as they enter in a series in St. Louis tonight. First pitch just after 7-10, I think is the night. I mean, St. Louis used to do this weirdly, and they would be the only team in, in the big leagues to start games at 7-15. Uh, tonight, it's, it's actually, the Cardinal way. Yeah, it's the Cardinal way. 6-45 first pitch tonight in St. Louis. Got some details on some news that's out from that series in advance of Game 1 tonight. We'll share that with you when we come back. You're listening to The Mike Heller Show. Keep you in the dark and so it all I said when we went to break, I was going to give you a couple of Brewers updates, uh, and I'll do that before they get underway tonight, 645 in St. Louis, so about an hour's time from now. Uh, the Brewers are going to be without Junior Guerra for the entire St. Louis series. Manager Craig Council told the media this afternoon that Guerra's father is in poor health, and Junior Guerra is now returning to Venezuela to be with him. The expectation is that Guerra would rejoin the Brewers this weekend in New York, uh, so a step there. Uh, also on the, uh, we've kind of forgotten about this, but Todd Rosiak talking about Brett Lowry with the Brewers GM David Stern says that Brett Lowry has progressed to baseball activity in Arizona. Quote, that's a nice step. 
so far on plan, still a ways to go, then it's competing in a game, then it's getting out to an affiliate. One other piece of news earlier today for the Brewers, and that was another positive report on Jimmy Nelson, and if he recovers well from his outing, which I assume is yesterday, at extended spring training, that the next would be an assignment with the Brewers minor league affiliate in San Antonio, which could come yet later this week. So three pieces of news on that front where the Brewers um, are working tonight in St. Louis. It's going to be Adrian Hauser that gets the go tonight. It will be his major league starting debut for the Brewers. Uh, He will get the ball tonight in St. Louis. He's a right-handed pitcher going against Jack Flaherty, who's 1-1 and with an ERA of 5. So the Brewers in this series would go with Hauser against Flaherty tonight, Zach Davies against the TBA tomorrow because Michael Waka has been scratched from the St. Louis rotation for the next 10 days. He's going on the um, injured list. And Yolis Chassin and Adam Wainwright in a 12-15 game on Wednesday. So 6.45 tonight, 6.45 tomorrow night, 12.15 on Wednesday. And tonight's one of those double-dip nights, flipping back and forth with a 6.45 Brewer start and a just-after 7 p.m. Buck start in Detroit. So one of those big nights that we look forward to. Uh, and we'll be flipping back and forth and talking all about them tomorrow. 877-729-1070 is our phone number. Cliff in Barneveld has been waiting. He wants to flip the script on our Bucks conversation. Hi, Cliff. Hi there. Yes, I want to flip the script. Is Of any of the teams remaining in the East, is there any of the, that you legitimately think can can contend with the Milwaukee Bucks? And this is why I think think that. Because the Bucks average six six players a night in double figures, and although Giannis is all world, that Oka was it two playoff games ago when he had only a good game instead of a great game. They still took the Pistons apart, and they always cause more turnovers than they commit. They're one of the top rebounding teams in the in the NBA and the top defensive team in the NBA. And that is, that's my take on, on the Eastern Conference. So, I mean, this is – Cliff, I appreciate it. Thank you for the phone call. Um, I mean, nothing you said there was bad. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So the Celtics beat the Bucks in their first meeting this year, 117-113. The Bucks won in Boston 120-107, to and the Bucks won in Milwaukee 98-97. So flip the first two games, uh, the, you know – Boston wins on, I don't know which which game was where, but they both have um, an early win, and then there's a one point game in there. So these these uh, the Bucks and Celtics, you have to take away what they've done against other teams, and you can kind of throw a lot of that stuff away um, from the regular season because it's just treated differently. Boston is. Some people are going to be bothered when I say this. They are every bit Milwaukee's equal. Oh boy! Until Milwaukee proves in a seven-game series with them that they're not. Kyrie Irving. Now they're different players, but you can argue that Kyrie Irving is even more dynamic at times than Giannis on the offensive end. You could, you could argue in, it. Giannis's <laughs> influence on the defensive end is. I mean, Giannis influences everything. Kyrie is who guards him. George Hill guard him. Chris Middleton guard him. 
Who chases him? I mean, Rogan's it's not back yet. So I mean, I mean it's basically going to end up having to be a mixture of kind of everybody switching. Yeah, right? I'm just, I just think that this is, it's not even. I'm gonna, I give the Bucks the advantage in a series with Boston, but it's much closer to even than what I think many people have the impression of. No, I mean, okay, I think that's fair, but I mean. Actually, I mean, I think Cliff brings up a lot of good points. I mean, I think we obviously talk about you know who we're scared of because I think for a lot of time we've been kind of down or just beaten down as Bucks fans, so we're always looking for oh, that that team's going to get us, uh, whatever. Um, whereas you know maybe it's the other way around. I mean, we do I think sometimes forget that the Bucks have you know are one of the better rebounding teams in the league and one of the better three point teams in the league, one of the best defensive teams. I, I know they might have dropped a second on some rankings, but either first or second, uh, you know, in that regard, it, it is. It is a well-rounded team, and as he said, it is a very deep team. And when Giannis does have nights where he's off, there's usually other guys that can pick up the slack. And that's maybe not something that we saw last year when the Bucks were facing the Celtics in the playoffs. But this year, that is certainly something uh, that could happen. I mean, there, there definitely would probably be a game against the Celtics where Giannis has a down night for him and will need other guys to step up. And, you know, that's where you get a, a big Chris Middleton night um, or a Brooke Lopez, you know, bombing from threes night or who knows. Um or even, you know, maybe Brogdon comes back at some point. He's able to fill in some big minutes. Pat Connaughton's, you know, that, that just this team is right now, usually when you get to the playoffs, your playoff rotation gets really thin and thin by, by in like seven guys. Yeah. But that's, but the Bucks, they can go deeper if they want because they do have a lot of other options. Now, I think as they get deeper and deeper into the playoffs, you know, God, God willing, hopefully they do. Um, but. Yeah, then then it might actually shrink to some degree, but I think in the meantime they do have plenty of different options, and if guys aren't working, they can go to other people. There's there's going to be okay. The fairest thing I can say is that there is going to be some significant stress in the next round of the playoffs. The Bucks have played yes. as as Boston has sort of Boston's series has been closer with Indiana. From this point forward, though, in the playoffs, there's there's no more. I mean, like this right. is the easy series. But this is yeah, the bunny th- series. So this has been stress free. Yep. There will be. A great deal of stress rolling forward. Yeah, I think and and you're going to stress the Bucks, and you're going to hang on every game and every shot. I think there's going to be a lot of close games. Early, um, I'm, I'm with today, you. Earlier today, forward. I saw one of the national shows ask this question: Who would be the best threat to beat Golden State in a finals? Or in a final, just just to beat Golden State. And the the okay. conventional wisdom was Houston is best suited to beat Golden State, and then it was a differing set of opinions. That the Bucks were next best suited, and that then Toronto and then Philadelphia, and I don't think Boston is well suited to beat Golden State in a finals. I don't so know if either. Golden State gets there and Boston gets there, I think we're going to see a Golden State in five. Yeah, the gentleman sweep. I think the Bucks would push Golden State. I think Golden State is still overall probably, probably a six player games. or two better. Yeah, maybe six games for them. Yeah, maybe six. Um, but the other teams in the East, I, Philadelphia is an interesting team. I just don't think they'll get there. I, yeah, I, I don't think they'll get there. And I, I'm going to be honest. I think if if Philly played Golden State, I think Golden State wipes the floor. Yeah, I, I, because I think they get in their head. I think real Golden quick. State can lose to two teams. I think they can lose to Houston and they can lose to Milwaukee. I don't think they could lose to Toronto, Philadelphia, or Boston. I must be really high on Toronto because I, I think they could do all right. I just I I like Toronto. I think they're rangy and athletic and play really good D. Um, yeah, Kawhi, who's a complete you know both sides of the court guy. Just, just talking like, about the Maple honest. Leafs or the Raptors. 
Well, I'm talking about the Raptors. Okay. All right. Making yeah. sure. The, the Leafs suck. Yeah. They always do. Um, but, uh, but no, I mean, I don't know. I guess I, I probably think a little bit highly of the Raptors. I, I also saw them in person this year and they're pretty good. So that, that also helps a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I get that standpoint. I, I, I think that there are definitely a couple teams that could, but there, there are definitely some of these teams left in both conferences we're looking at. I just don't think they really have a chance to be the Warriors. I, I really think if the 76ers got there, I, oh boy, I think it would be so one-sided. I mean, I, you know, Embiid, obviously, if he's healthy, great. They can, they can be good, but I just think the Warriors just get in their head and things get real weird in that series, and it's either a four or five game series. Yeah. Um, so a, a little fun to be had tonight with two series that will likely end in sweeps. Houston will be the nightcap at Utah tonight. The Bucks, uh, we hope, will just sweep out of Detroit uh, and, and get ready for Boston. And because both teams have swept, no added ex- extra rest for one team or the other, and that series could begin. I was looking at this earlier today, just trying to decipher the, the key dates – in the NBA, they do list all of the you know potential dates. So of the uh, of this from a playoff calendar standpoint, the conference semifinals begin on April 29th and 30th, which is next Tuesday and Wednesday. But it says possible move up to April 27, 28, which is Saturday or Sunday, and the Bucks Celtics would be. I mean that's the possible move up because they would mm-hmm. both be done. Celtics finished their series last night. Bucks could finish their series tonight. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. So and one other note from uh, Todd Rosiak covering uh, the Brewers in St. Louis for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel JS Online. He writes Mike Mustakas reported his fractured right ring finger feeling better. He's out of the lineup for the second straight day, but he's showing signs of progress including taking some swings. Manager Craig Council said it's still day-to-day. Okay. Well, I got a uh, little Brogdon update. I don't know if you see that. Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, let's see. Boonholzer says he believes they will have a clear timeline of when they expect Brogdon to return sometime in the next three to five days. Not that he's returning in the next three to five days, but that they will have a timeline in three to five days. And then we have no idea if they'll actually report that publicly. Sure. They use, uh, let's see, they use round two as a blanket term as a return to round two as a blanket term and um it blake griffin is listed as probable but um was still said to be a game time decision well if he's listed as probable he's going to he's play. gonna go so just a little um subterfuge there i mean good luck detroit that'll make the difference it almost did in game three just kidding yeah i don't <laughs> think so so no, no definitely not i uh, i it's weird because I, I do feel like you know the Bucks haven't won what a playoff series since two thousand one. We've we've talked about it before, but it's like here we are, gonna win one, and I don't really care. You know what I mean? It's just like let's get it over with. Time to move on. This is lame. Yeah, isn't it something that we haven't done this um, since two thousand and one? I mean, full time Monday through Friday sports talk really was a rare breed in two thousand and one. It it was yeah. it existed, but I don't not a ton. Not like it does now. Very little. So that's the last time. That you're here, so I think of it from from an us perspective. I was talking to uh, some of our counterparts at the game last Wednesday night on plans, and there it's kind of uncharted territory to be covering um, Bucks playoff series in May, which is what's next. You know, the Boston series is going to spill over to the first week of May, and if you're going beyond that, 
you could be covering NBA playoff games after Memorial Day, it's which cool. is fantastic. I mean, the the plaza outside of Fiserv, um, as you know, we're doing shows at Drink Wisconsinly. That that plaza will be. That'll be lit if it's 78 Ooh, degrees, right? Using those kid terms. I like it. Um, I mean, absolutely. I, I just, when, when I went there for the first time, that was my first thought. I was like, man, if this team can just make a deep playoff run, this little area down here is going to be so cool. Fantastic. It's going to be like when you see shots of even like Toronto, right? Where it's like they have that huge outdoor area with screens. Uh, the Vegas uh, Golden Knights have an area like that, too. And it's like you just see these camera angles and it looks so amazing. And it's like, wait, now we have that. Now we just need to get a little deeper in the playoffs before we can really start to utilize it. Yeah, them. and that, and we're going to get that. Um, I mean, you know, shoot, the roof was open yesterday in Milwaukee for the, yeah. the Brewers game, right? It wasn't opening day like I guessed it was going to be no, this year. No, but I mean, doing that in the middle of April, it's pretty impressive. Yes, it is. So we'll see what happens up. Bucks and Pistons just after 7. Uh, you'll be flipping back and forth Brewers and Cardinals tonight in a game that starts in 55 minutes or so. Can we play somebody other than the Cardinals at some point here? Yeah, they're going to go great. to New York, take on the Mets later this week. How's cool. That? That's awesome. Honestly, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll be with you tomorrow. Let's go, Bucks. We'll talk about it tomorrow after 2 on the Mike Heller Show. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.